Well, if it isn't you popping into the Mr. Warren Hayes show, because hi, welcome. You're probably a wrestling fan and you're probably excited to hear me talk about professional wrestling here as we record this on April 4th, 2023. I am Mr. Warren Hayes. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Now, you know, as maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but you know, just to make sure that everyone's on the same page, I record this live. I stream it live on YouTube every Thursday night. You should come hang out if you ever have a chance. We have a nice little chat room always hanging out and it's a good time. YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And, um, and I warned everyone when I started doing the stream and even previous to that, I was like, look, I've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. We are going to go long. And, we're, and we went long. I did, I did a marathon tonight, probably the longest stream I've ever done, but I'm not going to lie. One of my, one of the favorite show, one of my favorite shows I've ever done. I like, I'm, you know, patting myself on the back here a little bit. I'm pretty happy with how all of this turned out. There's lots to talk about. So, you know, I'm not going to waste too much time, but I do want to thank you for watching this on YouTube and you can leave a like and subscribe to the channel if you want. Uh, you can also become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel by joining and becoming a member. That way you get access to the members only streams that happen usually on Fridays over lunch, but then you can always watch them on demand as well. Uh, so you get a, you know, you, you get a nice little package for some membership stuff and, you know, all of these little uh, gestures, you know, the memberships and the likes and the subscriptions, those help out a great deal. But also, thank you for your listening to this on your favorite audio app uh, because the uh, the podcast is out there. A five-star rating uh, uh, on Spotify, five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Those things help out a great deal as well. But yeah, listen, I'm not going to waste too much of your time. And I'm not going to lie. If you decide to listen to this on 1.5 speed, 2 speed, I, I won't be offended because <laughs> I packed a lot of stuff in here. I, I was planning on just coming out here to talk about WrestleMania weekend and reviewing the shows. WrestleMania, both nights, NXT, uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, and maybe talk about you know some of the shows that I watched on the side. But I haven't even had time to talk about shows on the side because then because because of Vince, because Vince and 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 and. <laughs> And uh, and the merger, the WWE merger with UFC. That's what we're kicking the show off with. So let's get to it. But thank you so much for being here. Hope you enjoy the show. So, you know, you're usually said, you know, they, they, they always tell you, don't bury the lead, right? Don't bury the lead is what they tell you. Start with, the, you know, the big thing. And I'm like, I'm coming in here and we're previewing, we're reviewing, I should say. We're reviewing shows. That's what we're, that's what we're, that's what we're doing, right? reviewing shows wrestlemania nights one and two ring of honor nxt stuff on the side you know the gcw shows the mark hitchman uh, hitchcock i always want to say hitchman i don't know why mark hitchcock show and uh but but so so i'm like i'm you know we're we're firing this off we're going to be firing this off on tuesday with the with the wrestlemania review but then sunday night NB, MSNBC reports, right? MSNBC, CNBC, which one of it? I don't remember. They report that WWE and Endeavor are on the verge of making a joint announcement the next day. They're going to be regarding the sale of the of the company, of uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. So I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I just want I wanted to sit down and just talk about wrestling. But we're gonna get into some business weeds here. Oh, getting into the weeds. This is the new. This is the new thing. This is the new example. This is the new. Uh, not the new example. The new expression. This is the one that's going around now. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna break this down, folks. Context and everything. This is what was reported. Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Entertainment has agreed to merge with UFC to form. A publicly traded company controlled by Endeavor Group, the companies announced Monday morning. Endeavor will own a 51% stake in the new combat sports and entertainment company, while WWE shareholders will have the remaining 49% according to the terms of the agreement. The deal values WWE at $9.3 billion and UFC, which is owned by Endeavor, at 12 billion. Point one billion. That is, those are those are staggering amounts of cash money. S ridiculous. Let's continue. The yet-to-be-named new company is expected to go public in four to six months, according to Ari Emanuel, depending on the government, quote unquote. In an investor presentation by Endeavor, executives stated they expected the deal to close later this year. The transaction is expected to close in the second half of 2023. Under this new venture, Ari Emanuel will act as chief executive of both Endeavor and the new company. McMahon will be executive chairman of the new company, while Endeavor president and COO Mark Shapiro will also work in the same roles at the new company. So he's going to be president and COO of the uh, new company. Um, of the new uh, 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 company, right? Right. Dana White, of course, UFC, will remain as president of UFC. And WWE CEO Nick Khan will stay on uh, as president of the wrestling business. And that all, isn't that just all fascinating? Guten Abend to you, AK Germany 96, member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Good to see you. Uh, the board will consist of 11 people, six appointed by Endeavor and five by WWE. The merged company's name will be announced at a later time. The company will trade on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol TKO. So that could be that could absolutely be a sign of what maybe the uh, what, what the company might be called. Um, Vince and uh, then afterwards. Uh, after all of this came together, the press releases were put out and had all these informations and the articles came out. Vince and Ari Emanuel did a pre-recorded interview for CNBC. Here are a few of the highlights. I'm not going to walk through everything, but you know what what is of interest to us. And there's like there's some visuals from this um, from this interview that are absolutely spectacular, just fascinating stuff. Just some Ari Emanuel and and Vince McMahon hugging. And I cannot imagine how uncomfortable Vince must have been doing that. Right? We, I mean, we've seen him hug people before, but I always feel like it's, you know, it's in these documentaries. It's a picture, a picture op and so on. It's a photo op, excuse me, stuff like that. But like live, I can't, I can't imagine Vince enjoying that. Emmanuel believes they paid a fair price 
uh, for WWE in order to secure controlling interest. And he doesn't believe uh, WWE is getting its true market value as its current valuation is about $6.5 billion. Of course, you know, as we mentioned earlier, um, the deal values WWE at $9.3 billion, which was what, uh, which was what uh, um, Vince was looking for. <clears throat> I'm still floored that he got that, that that's what, what you know, that, that, that was the benchmark we were working on for WWE. He said Endeavor will form a 21 billion global pure play live sports and entertainment company. Pure play meaning that, you know, they only do one thing. Like they, you know, if you are a coffee shop and you sell, you sell only coffee, not, you know, um, croissant or pastries, bakery items. If you strictly sell coffee, you're a, you're a, a, a pure play um, coffee shop. Nuco, the, the, the Nuco, let's call it Nuco, will be owned 51% by Endeavor and 49% by WWE shareholders, like we talked about. The financials of this new company are going to be consolidated by Endeavor. And the, like we said also earlier, this was another, high, you know, this is all stuff that Emmanuel really uh, drove home. The, um, the deal will be, uh, will be closed at the end of 2023, uh, barring, you know, competition, uh, the competition bureau examination and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, the, you know, of course there's a process all behind that. <clears throat> uh, hey, King of the North. Nice to see you, Evan, and welcome. So the new management following this merger uh, kind of goes as follows. Ari Emanuel, as we mentioned, is the Endeavor and new CEO, uh, a new company, the new, new co-CEO. Vince McMahon is going to be the new co-executive chairman. Mark Shapiro will be the Endeavor and new co-president and COO. So again, remaining in his positions in both companies. Jason Lublin will be the Endeavor CFO. Andrew Schleimer, the new co-CFO. Uh, Dana White will remain UFC president. Lawrence Epstein, the UFC COO. He's been with the company for a few years as well. Uh, so not going anywhere. And Nick Khan will be remaining as WWE president. So that is going to be kind of like the... That, so that is going to be the management setup for all of this new structure, at least in the very higher echelons. Everyone was like, well, what about Triple H? He, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't think they felt like they should need to announce content, what, 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 chief content officer in these presentations here. Like it, that, is, that is of no relevance to the business aspect of it. This, you know, CFOs, Presidents, ex high-ranking executives, yes. You know, the leaders of the executive teams, absolutely. Mr. Fantastic, nice to see you and welcome. Um, been reading up a lot on it. Of course, been hanging around WrestleNomics quite a bit. Here's the, your weekly WrestleNomics infomercial. <laughs> follow, <laughs> follow Brandon Thurston. Follow WrestleNomics. Just some fantastic stuff. Sign up to their Patreon. Like it's 
um, just exceptional stuff that you will not find any other outlet do. Um, so I've been reading up a, a, a lot on this and uh, there's a few more key points here that we should point out. The uh, special voting power for B-class shares, should call them class B shares, right? That grant 10 times the voting power per share, right? You know, like Vince has and Stephanie and Linda, they're doing away with that. So instead of having shares, a special class of share that has 10 times of every share, now we'll just have one vote per share. So as we may recall on the multiple, multiple, multiple times that we've talked about this on uh, on the podcast, the um, so Vince uh, basically had like 33% of the total amount of shares in WWE, but that that 33% of shares that he owned uh, were B class, class B shares, I should say. And those shares, since they were worth 10 times the amount of votes, made him the majority shareholder. He hold he held the greatest amount of power within WWE. Now, this does not instantly mean that Vince is going to, you know, oh well, he's just going to hang on to 33% of the uh, of the vote of the uh, of the shares, so he's no longer the majority shareholder. Like, first of all, from what we can understand here at this point, right? There, they haven't talked about how shares in any of the companies in the new company in WWE how anything's going to uh, work out. We 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 don't know how anything is going to be. Um, how anything is going to be put together at this point in that regard. So we don't know. Look, look, if you think Vince McMahon is doing all of this and then is going to find himself in a position where he's going to relinquish, where he has to relinquish most of his majority voting power, you're you're out of your mind, okay? You haven't been paying attention to the past nine months or so. At the very least, the last... Five to six months. You just haven't been paying attention. If you think that uh, suddenly he's just going to, he he's going to. There's going to be provisios here where uh, he's clearly going to be able to purchase a majority of the stock before it gets re- redistributed or something like that. Look, these are little fine details when it comes to high finance that I am not. Uh, I am not well versed in, but I can guarantee one thing. I can tell you one thing. There's no way Vince has given up any iota of power in this transaction. Even though the Class B shares don't exist anymore, he'll just buy money. He'll just, you know, have a controlling share. Just as simple as that. And will it be shares in the new co? Will it be shares in WWE? Will it be both? Stick around. We'll find out. Something also that uh, uh, Brandon Thurston pointed out. All the credit. He said that you know that the important thing that we have to that, that we have to keep in mind here is that this this is a merger as opposed to a sale, right? And why is this significant? You may ask. Well, I'm glad you asked. It would have been better for WWE shareholders if it had been a sale because uh, because they would have get they they would have gotten a uh, um, a cash deal, right? If it had been a sale, someone would have put up the money. All right, this is what we're worth, and that. Uh, that then establishes the value of the company, and then they can they, they get the redistribution uh, of that wealth amongst the shareholders. But at this point, 
it's a little more, it's a little trickier because since this is a merger, it means that the market, when Nuco is going to be uh, trade, uh, is going to be publicly traded, once it has its IPO, essentially, and is put on the stock market, it will be the market that will determine the value of this transaction, of, of Nuco, and then ultimately what the, uh, what the, um, what the shareholders are going to get in return. So in, in a sense, it's difficult to know if it, right now, it, it's impossible to know if this is going to be a, a, a good deal for investors. It can be terrible, but would it, you know, Brandon was basically arguing a cash deal would have been better. But this is not what this is. This is a merger. Because had there been a cash deal, the value of the company would have been established and then uh, uh, and then uh, the, 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 the wealth would have been spread around probably in, in a clearer, less risky fashion. And uh, it, it, honestly, it's also probably a way for um, Ari Emmanuel Endeavor to split up this infamous debt that they have, right? I don't know if you recall this. Uh, I don't know if you recall this uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, Ari was on a, um, well, they, uh, Endeavor had their, uh, their earnings call. I don't know if you remember this. And he, you know, he was asked about the sale and he was sort of poo-pooing it. He was going, yeah, you know what, um, you know, maybe not just yet. Maybe not quite now. We're not, we're not looking for, because we have so much debt. And my, my, my number one objective right now for Endeavor is not to make any more purchases and it's to, it's to get rid of some of the debt. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but that's what, that's what he was saying. So effectively, he was not lying. Because Endeavor is not ponying up the cash here to buy WWE. It's creating a new company under its banner and which will help split up the debt from the main Endeavor company, Endeavor Holdings, what, uh, Endeavor Holdings Group, I think is what it's called officially. It'll help, you know, take alleviate some of the debt and be able to transfer it to Nuco. So he'll be doing... Endeavor shareholders a favor in the sense that, you know, instead of, you know, I, I can't remember the amount uh, of debt uh, that uh, that Endeavor was carrying, but it'll be uh, it'll be a, a, a lesser burden for the shareholders then. So that's also that, that's also part and parcel for the uh, uh, this is also like a, a, a part and parcel thing um, moving forward. So that is so. That's something to consider. That this was also part of the um, that this was also part of the 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 the, the, the thing of the, the the transaction, part of the logic behind it. A hey, plug. Oh, nice to see you and welcome. And Alex Story World as well. Good to see you. And we, you know, glad you brought it up in the chat. The, you know, the idea that here's the thing, right? Is that Vince forced his way back into the company, let's call a spade a spade, forced his way back into the company saying that he was the only person that could bring back the best return on investment uh, through a sale for the investors. He was, he had positioned himself as being the guy that was going to be able to do it. Um, as we all know, and you know, if, if, if you didn't know, well, you know now Vince McMahon is a is a liar. I don't think there was any reason to trust him to begin with. But, you know, if 
I don't think I don't know if this was the best the the best outcome for the investors. We will see in a few months when the IPO happens and this company goes public and after it's uh after it's been settled for a couple of days, a couple of days, a couple of weeks of trading, we'll see how things go. But as it stands, uh you know, anyone at this point who is skeptical that this was the indeed the best way that Vince was indeed the best man for the job here to make sure that the investors, that the shareholders got maximum value, maximum return for their for their investment. Um, I think it's okay to be skeptical. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Certified Wrestling Podcast, nice to see you and welcome. Now, outside of this interview here, we're going to come back to this interview. I just want to get some of the, I just want to get some of the, um, some of the business aspects out of it here. Nick Khan told Axios, because he was giving some interviews over at Axios as well. He said that uh, uh, WWE and UFC will pursue separate linear TV deals, but they could pursue a combined streaming deal. So, uh, what does that mean? In layman terms, it means that WWE and UFC will not negotiate uh, uh, rights deals amongst themselves. They they just won't. Uh, they're going to do uh, something else. Each on you know they're they're each going to negotiate on their own end. WWE is going to get their deal. UFC is going to get theirs, and you know they're not looking to do any crossover essentially, which is fair. Um, he um, and uh, but he said they could pursue a combined streaming deal, and you know this this brought up a this brought up a lot of questions in regards to uh, uh, in regards to who um, well does this mean that they are starting up their own you know their own streaming networks? And no, I don't think that's what it means. Uh, you know, WWE got out of the direct to streaming business you know direct to consumer streaming business and started uh, they started selling their um they started selling their you know the minute they started licensing the content to other streamers to other net that's when they um started making all the money the ridiculous gobs of money that they're making right now so you know and and ufc is it's you know same you know I, I, the deals that they have in place are fantastic so no but I, what i do read in here uh, is you know they will you know they could approach uh they could approach other streamers right and uh and they could uh, streaming companies right you know like maybe peacock or even amazon or whoever ufc uh, not ufc uh, uh, espn whatever but they could go to an uh, to one of these streaming services and tell them, look, you know, hey, we we can bring all of this to you, and maybe there's maybe there's value in um you know some of the uh, uh in combining these all of these together, some of the back catalog of WWE, the back catalog of UFC, combining it all together, delivering it to a to a streaming service. Um, that's absolutely possible. I'm you know I. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't cover. So I'm trying to say I don't cover MMA. I don't, you know, I used to watch it many years ago, but I really don't anymore. And I don't cover MMA. So I can't 
you know, it's hard for me to evaluate, you know, what the what the market, how the market would be interested in the, uh, you know, in 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 in, in previous UFC pay per views. Um, you know, there's still a question as to, you know, whether or not the WWE network, you know, was wasn't able to sustain high levels of membership or growth anyway. Uh, the, you know, if the, uh, the, the, there was a question as to whether or not the catalog had any worth, the back catalog of WWE stuff and, you know, all the other promotions that they picked up, um, did it have enough value to hang on to, uh, to, to, to create growth? I think there's an argument to say, no, I don't know what the, what the average WWE fans taste is in going back and watching old pay-per-views, old wrestling, uh, old promotions. If you look at the success or the lack of ultimately success of the WWE Network, you could argue that, well, the back catalog maybe doesn't interest uh, people enough to sustain growth. That's always that's always the thing, right? Because, uh, you know, the hardcore members are, the hardcore fans, they're all going to be into this, right? They're all going to enjoy this. But, um uh, they're, they're all going to be super excited about uh, we like the back catalogs we like going back and watching old stuff but uh, you know like I said is, is it a is it a, a a deal breaker for a more casual viewer a contemporary WWE fan ah, I don't know I I would have a tendency to say no is that so is is that logic that you can immediately apply to uh, uh, to MMA? Fans, I don't know either. Like, but it's interesting to it. it it's interesting to think about. It, it, it it's interesting to think about. Um, so uh, and, and yeah, and, and, you know, as a sidebar, because this has been discussed a lot, right? Getting back into UFC and uh, merging up with the UFC and and um, who has a very UFC has a very different approach to promoting events to WWE, right? Where, whereas for the past 10 years or so, we've been paying $10 a month. Now on Peacock, you know, what, five bucks a month to get access to all the pay-per-views. Oh, excuse me, the PLEs. Uh, all for free now. Well, not for free, but for five bucks as opposed to buying the pay-per-views. Whereas for UFC, you still shell out, what, 80 bucks? Something like that to get the, to, to get the, the, the big shows? Something to that effect. Uh, so that's had a lot of people thinking is like, well, maybe maybe WWE, WWE is going to go back to, to this model, you know, um, and I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I think it makes sense, but to a degree and it not to a degree, I think as fierce as maybe some people would expect it to be because people are like, oh, they're going to jump right in. And next thing you know, you're going to be paying, you know, for 50 bucks for the WrestleMania backlash and nobody's going to want that. It's like, I, I don't think you go as hard as that because WWS trained its audience to subscribe to one thing and get everything right. And and you know we saw with the network it wasn't a sustainable mark a sustainable business plan. I think it's not a sustainable business plan for a lot of streaming services right now who are cutting back on a lot of stuff or are looking to move into live. Uh, live sports, for instance, because live sports is a driver for subscriptions and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it, the, the this question of this idea of paying one price and getting unlimited content is coming to an end regardless. And this has been observed. 
the minute the minute Netflix subscriptions uh, uh, hit the ceiling, uh, this is when the whole streaming world went, oh shit. Well, if the market leader is, is it doesn't grow anymore, what the hell are we supposed to do? Anyway, um, I went on a bit of a sidebar there, but you know, to 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 demonstrate that um, there will be a point where paying a, a small fee monthly to get everything, I, I don't think is going to be sustainable and I don't think it'll be sustainable for WWE either, especially in the context of just being picked up by a brand new company, a brand new, you know, owner bringing them in. He's going to want, he, Ari or Endeavor, they're going to want a, a, a return on investment sooner than later. That's why you see, you saw a merger like, you know, Warner Bros., and, uh, and, and and Discovery coming together and then slashing through budgets and ending productions and not releasing finished films and all that because they're saving money everywhere. That's what they want to do because they want this merger to be as profitable as it can, as quickly as it can. So I would not be surprised that Vince and Ari, at the very least, they talked about it during their negotiations or even after a, a, a you know, a, 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 a a showing of nego uh, a, a negotiation seance. They all s sat down in seance and you know, they got the Ouija board out and everything. <laughs> they, they, you know, that they at, at the very least touched on the subject. And 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 I believe, I, I sincerely believe that WWE might do that. Hang on, that sounded wishy-washy. I sincerely believe WWE will do that. Um, probably starting with WrestleMania next year and get people into the get people into the um uh, in, into the 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 rhythm of buying pay-per-views again I, I was listening to a podcast recently fucking i can't remember um but they made an excellent point and i apologize i i i'm i'm trying to think of the source and i can't remember it, but there's an entire generation of 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 WWE viewers who have never bought a pay-per-view in their life it, it's never happened so those are those might be hard to convert, but they also might be very easy because, because uh, if they're paying just like the minimal amount and then for the big shows, they're like, well, look, it's the big ones, right? You don't do this like for, you know, WrestleMania Backlash or, you know, Fastlane or, you know, Judgment Day or Valentine's Massacre or, you know, you, you know, you, you do it for the big four, right? You do it for um, you do it for WrestleMania. You do it for SummerSlam. You do it for Survivor Series. You do it for the Rumble. I wouldn't be at all surprised if next year the first two pay per views that go on the pay model that go back to pay per view are SummerSlam and uh, <laughs> Royal Rumble and um, and uh, uh, WrestleMania. I would not be surprised at all. Not be surprised at all. The because there 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 Endeavor is going to want its money back as soon as possible. They're divest they're they're separating the debt, but they're not divesting themselves of the debt. They're not getting rid of it. They still have to pay it back, and they see WWE as a vector to help them get rid of this uh, uh, of this the, the specter of their debt faster than if they just continued doing things on their own otherwise they wouldn't do all this fucking setup right it's just simple um 
So, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to do it this year because WWE is going to have to retrain its audience into doing this. Or retrain or train period, right? Yeah, I've bought pay-per-views multiple times. I still do. So it's not a big deal to me. But there might be a, a, a large section of the audience who will be, right? And I, you know, like we're mentioning in the chat, I'm pretty sure World Wrestling Entertainment looks at, you know, AEW and like, look, there are 130 to 145,000 people who shell out, what, 60 bucks to watch one of their shows. Why wouldn't we do that? I, I think I think it's fair. But, you know, again, I think there's a there's a difference between the audiences. I think it's very, very different. And I think the WWE fans have been used to a uh, a certain level of convenience. I don't know how readily they'll be able there'll be friction, right? I don't, you know, it won't be a smooth transition if it happens. I for one welcome WWE returning to the pay-per-view market because I want to see pay-per-view buys. I want that data. As, a, as an observer of the business, as someone who, who is interested in this, I want to see what WWE's big shows, when you, you, when you slap a price tag on them, I want to see how much, they, how much they make. I'm excited about that. And you see, there's a good point right there because something that I mentioned, and I'm going to mention it again tonight, something that I've mentioned all the way up throughout the build to WrestleMania, that WWE doesn't care if it builds PLEs well or not because they already have your money. They already have it. Your money, their broadcasting partners' money, they have all the money. They got it all. So it's not a big deal. Now, if they're like, yeah, we're going to do pay-per-view and we want to we get more money into this, well, they might have to force themselves to build bigger, better shows with better builds. However, I will counter-argue this by saying if they only do the, the big four, the mainstays, you know, WrestleMania sold out without a single show. Well, you know, close to, bear with me here for the sake of the argument, was it sold the, the vast majority of its tickets without a single match announced. Royal Rumble is the same thing. Like these are shows that wrestling fans, not just WWE fans, wrestling fans are interested in and will get into regardless of the build. Now, if they start charging pay-per-view uh if they send back to pay-per-view the the the, the b tier shows then they're abs they absolutely have to crank out the effort but i highly suspect that the b tier shows are going to stay uh are going to stay on whatever streaming networks they're on streaming services they're on and they're gonna they're just gonna charge for for for, for the big deal that's what i think but you know, WrestleMania, I think, is it's a safe bet. People will buy, for, will ca dish out money for that. The casuals win, you know, those, you know, like myself. They'll, you know, they'll, 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 they'll lay out the, the, the big bucks for that. That makes a lot of sense. 
Since we're talking about making money and returning on investments, Nick Khan, if we go back to the Axios interview, he talked about layoffs. Quote, an integration team is going to be put into place between both companies in short order and we'll know we'll have a lot more in the next week or two. What does that mean? Well, staff, right? I mean, look, this is a merger. So, yeah, I hope, hopefully, hopefully, well, there's no hopefully. I know you guys and gals, non-binary pals, know this. Because you are the smartest A-plus audience out there. D-list podcaster, A-plus audience. I know you guys understand this. Um, whenever there are mergers from between companies, there's always redundancies. And people lose their jobs. This is inevitable. So it's going to happen with staff, both on the UFC and WWE side, right? That's inevitable. Talent, of course, is probably the is probably the 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 question that people that that um, that most people have in mind, right? Because that's that's the one that affects WWE fans the most, at least in their in their brains, right? I absolutely see the return of post-WrestleMania, um, post-WrestleMania layoffs or whatever. But I think it is, I think it is um, naive to believe that the entire WWE roster is going to survive this. I Does that... Does that make sense? I think it's... I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm not saying that, yes, there will be, but I think it is... I think it's naive to believe that everyone's going to keep their jobs even on the talent side, right? I think that... I think that's a fair assessment, right? But this also leads to another discussion in regards to uh, talent contracts as well, right? Um, neither WWE or UFC are unionized, of course, so they go by their own rules and whatever. And, you know, um, WWE talent are, you know, if you, if you were to take a step back and, 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 and look at the money that they make, you'd say, yeah, they're well compensated for what they do, right? Most main roster talent are in, are in six figure deals, uh, with the, you know, bigger stars being in the uh in in, in seven figures right um this is uh, fairly common knowledge but the uh it, but without getting again into the weeds of it um it, the the one thing that we oftentimes have to that that we don't uh remember is that uh wrestlers then on the road are expected to compensate for all their expenses which includes travel and and um uh, uh, and uh, accommodations, right? Food, well, of course, there's catering at the shows, but let's say you want to have breakfast. So, so we have to, we have to remember, uh, we have to remember that, um, so that's, we have to remember, just keep in mind that these, uh, that these three figures, these six-figure deals for a wrestler, when you are traveling 52 weeks out of the year, uh, this money, you know, the, the money starts 
slipping away fairly quickly when you consider airfare and like I said, accommodations and so on and so forth, rental cars, all that bullshit, it ends up stacking up quite a bit. You're eating in restaurants, so on and so forth. This is not news because of course, WWE talent are considered to be independent contractors or they're not, uh, they're not privy to any benefits that typical WWE staff are, uh, are uh, uh, um, uh, privy to. So, when you consider that, and when you consider, and when you consider that this is a billion dollar company, there are some things where you're, you, you can make an argument that WWE wrestlers, for the amount of money that is being made off of their backs, despite the fact that they are well compensated, could be making more money. And this is also, this is also, hey Motown Slim, nice to see you and welcome. This is also a point of discussion within UFC. This has been going on for the better part of 10 years at this point because we know UFC pays its fighters terribly. And I did some research just before getting in here because again, you know, I've, I've heard, I've heard so much about this, you know, I know it's a, it's a controversial, touchy subject for fighters. And, and I got some data. I got some stuff down here. Since 2010, the UFC has consistently paid its fighters between 16 to 20% of total revenues. All right. And you're like, ah, 16, 20%. That's not bad. However, compared to the NFL, the NBA and the National Hockey League, those players receive roughly 50% of, of total revenues. UFC, UFC's uh, biggest competitor, Bellator, 50, 44%. So they are clearly, clearly in the mud. In the past three years, the U, uh, well, uh, in the past four years, or at least from 2019 to 2022. How about that? The UFC has recorded annual revenues of $860 million. That's in 2019. $890 million in 2020 and $1 billion in 2021. In 2022, $1.2 billion. Based on those revenue payouts, I think it's pretty safe to say that UFC fighters are absolutely uh, uh, um, underpaid. And Endeavor can pay them more. They just choose not to, right? It's, it's always a choice. Um, so, um, so that's not the only thing, right? That's not the only level here because there's more to this, right? There's, there are many more details. So, so even if you're like, well, you know, hey, Warren, you know, like, you know, 16% of a 1.6% uh, of a $1.6 million gate, is, you know, it's pretty good, you know? Okay. So there's other considerations here that you have to put in mind, such as international tax. If fighters, you know, fight uh, across seas, there's oftentimes a tax that they have to pay on their purse before heading home, right? It can be anywhere between 20 to 30%. In Brazil, it's 27%. Uh, when they start training their fight camp, which is two to three months that they have to, that they have to get into to get into shape can be anywhere depending on the camp from two grand to eight thousand dollars okay management fees 
2000 to $6,000 yearly. Uh, Travel expenses on top of that. So that always depends. Uh, The pre-fight medicals, you know, the shit that you have to give in before a fight. You'd think UFC will cover it. No, the fighters have to cover this shit. $500 to $1,000, it's estimated. External coaching. Like, let's say a UFC fighter is looking to up their game. You know, they're tired of winning $2,000 purses or $20,000 purses. They want the $200,000 purses. Well, you know, they have to hire coaches. And this can this runs the gamut, right? $500 for, you know, your basic coaches. $2,000 for, like, you know, high-level uh, experts, right? Uh, all sorts of fees, all sorts of stuff. And, and, and then, you know... Uh, if you, you know, if you, you know, you, you want to fix injuries, let's say via massages or, uh, or, you know, a chiropractor, uh, supplements, that's all on your bill. That's all on your time. Plus they're independent contractors. So there's an income tax of 15% off of your deducted total. And that can even go higher depending on the size, the, the, what you make annually. So it's we're really in a position where endeavor has has the has the money has the revenue to pay their their people but they don't why am i bringing this up why am i bringing this breakdown up not saying that they're going to apply this immediately or you know later on right down the middle to wwe talent i don't think it's exactly the same thing but my point being is this if on one side of, of the Endeavor, uh, uh, if on the Endeavor side, they're very particular about how much money they're paying their, their fighters, you have to wonder at some point, well, when are they going to crack down on WWE salaries? Maybe on upcoming contracts or on new people they sign. Maybe they're going to come in with a whole new set of rules. Because Nick is going to be president, right? And uh, what's his name? Um, uh, his name just popped out of my head the uh the the cfo of wwe he's on the calls um riddick 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 frank a riddick like they're probably you know, we haven't talked about frank riddick because you know the merger he's not he's not uh, he's not a high level ranking executive in this new hierarchy but you know if frank riddick sticks around as cfo of the company he's going to answer to um, he's going to answer to Andrew Schleimer, who's going to be the the CFO of Newco, who is going to pass down his marching orders to Riddick. And Andrew Schleimer is going to get his marching orders from the CFO of Endeavor, Jason Lublin. Or Lublin, Lublin, Lublin. But y- you see what I'm doing here? It's not just going to be a WWE decision anymore. They're going to be part of something bigger, of another company who already treats its talent in a different way. So, and don't forget, in these types of transactions, in these types of mergers, the parent company is going to want to streamline everything and get as much money back as much return on investment as quickly as possible so as to not scare shareholders away, bring more shareholders in, and demonstrate that this was a good fucking idea so that more people will buy more shares 
so that they can all make more money. That's how it goes. So, again, I'm just bringing this up to make sure that we understand that UFC is very uh, UFC is very stingy endeavor, very stingy on how it's made on how it pays its it, its uh, its fighters. Of course, we're not talking about the top tier. You know, main, McGregor's not making. He's fine. Like he's not making sixteen percent. You know what I mean? We know this. But it is still interesting to think about how their how their contracts are currently set up versus what's going on with WWE and how it could impact WWE talent contracts. So that'll be very interesting to see. Let's circle back to the Ari Emanuel Vince McMahon interview, um, <laughs> where Vince, <laughs> where Vince said. You know, uh, uh, another little thing here where he said that he he tried to, he wanted to walk away from the wrestling business, right? And I'm like, that, that is such a load of bullshit. That is the biggest load of bullshit. He was ready to walk away. When he was pushed out, he was like, yeah, you know what, I'm done. But Ari Emanuel said, no, I want you to stay, Vince. The business needs you. Come back to us, Vince. Let's make this work together. Of course, I'm joking. But Ari Emanuel did say, you know, I wanted Vince to stay. I wanted Vince to stay. So from the moment Vince McMahon forced his way back into his company, into WWE, uh, Ari was right there waiting for him. Ari was like, no, we're going to do this. And we're going to get you back uh, we're going to get you back in here and we're going to put you in a very comfortable position. So this was all planned. And of course there is also this gem of a quote from Vince when he was asked about his um about the sexual misconduct allegations. I'm sure you've all heard it by now, but for the record on the Mr. Warren Hayes show I'm going to read it for you. Quote, I've made mistakes both personally and professionally in my 50-year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. I'm not sure about the legacy stuff because I'm not going to write it. And that is a load of crock. And I know you guys know, you gals know, you non-binary pals know. I even think, uh, I even think this plant... Over here, this lovely ponytail palm here in the background knows that that was a pile of shit. Interesting though, I've owned up to them and moved on. I think that is the one, and moved on, I think that is the one. That is correct. I've moved on. I don't think about this shit. And maybe in Vince's brain, because don't forget, Vince McMahon doesn't think like you and I. He's a, he's a, uh, he's some kind of, uh, you know, robot. He's some kind of weirdo. In his mind, he's like, ah, I just settled in court. That's me owning up to it. I moved on. No! Pretty sure Nancy Argentino's family don't feel like you've owned up to anything. Pretty sure the ring boys feel you haven't owned up to anything. Pretty sure uh, Martha Hart 
feels you haven't owned up to anything. And I'm pretty sure the seven, the, the, the seven that we know of know that uh, you haven't owned up to anything. Ashley Massaro. This is such a, it's such a load. It's a load of bullshit. But, but I know like, uh, uh, I know that everyone with a brain screwed on right, who is not, you know, just completely blind, doesn't buy into it all. I know. People know that that is a bullshit lie. Bald-faced. And the thing here, on top of it all, and he's talking about all of this after he, he bought, he owns now the Vince McMahon IP. It's not even WWE's anymore, it's his. He owns it. A company that locks down all of its fucking trademarks for every fucking name it creates. Everything that is related to Vince, no longer WWE's. It's all his. He, they can't produce anything without, uh, without his consent or the possibility of him suing him if they use it incorrectly. Hey, podcast. Pretty Kyle, nice to see you and welcome. <laughs> and all of this on top of the fact that he's in he's back to being an employee of WWE. I'm sure you all saw this. On top of all of this, he's back to being an employee of the company, working out of Stanford. He has his office back, he's got everything, he's got all the benefits. He's all good. Vince is back in charge. He's in charge. You've all seen the reports from every credible news outlet, wrestling news media outlet. They're all saying the same thing. They all have the same reports. And they're not talking. And here's the thing it's not the one same person, the one same wrestler, the one same staff member who's talking to Mike Johnson and Sean Ross Sapp and, and, and Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. They all have their own sources. And they're all saying the same thing. Vince is back. Hell, you watched Raw last night. You saw the show. Vince is back in creative calling the shots. Just yesterday morning during the same interview with Ari Emanuel, Vince McMahon was sitting there being interviewed and said straight with the straightest poker face of all goddamn time and said, creative is, Ari Emanuel says creative is Vince's lane. But Vince said, yeah, but I'm going to be in the big picture stuff. I'm not going to get into the weeds is what he said. Even specified in an email sent to the entire staff of WWE that Paul Levesque was still chief content officer. He was still in charge of creative. After we heard over the past few shows that he was sending suggestions to people in Gorilla, he wasn't sitting in Gorilla. He had his little office set up. He had a little headset and he was suggesting things, right? But he wasn't calling the shot. Just some suggestions. But everyone's reporting it. P Let me read the PW Insider report 
Here we go. PW Insider is told that about 15 to 20 minutes before Raw, we're, we're just for the record, the April 3rd Raw, the absolute April 3rd, 2023, the absolute dismal shit that was aired on a television show, on television airwaves, table, sent to you via the power of fiber optics transmission. PW Insiders told that 15 to 20 minutes before Raw went live on the air, a number of late rewrites for the episode were ordered, describing not as quote-unquote feeling like the types of changes talents and staff had come to expect under Paul Levesque. Changes for the episode continued as the show well into being on the air, and we are told that they came directly from McMahon, who had his own office at Raw, just as he did before his quote-unquote retirement in the summer of 2022. While McMahon stated he would not be quote-unquote in the weeds of creative on CNBC, we were told by multiple sources who were at Raw that there was no doubt that Vince was firmly back in charge following the Endeavor acquisition of the company. PWI and PW Insider, I always get that confused, is told the night started with Paul Levesque on headsets running raw, but as the taping went on, it was McMahon who was more and more involved as the point person running the show. While McMahon was on headset producing a few times over WrestleMania 39 weekend, he was at the gorilla position for most of last night's raw taping directly overseeing the proceedings. Among some talents we spoke with, there was a huge negative shift in morale as they realized that things were going to go back to, quote unquote, exactly where they were before Paul Levesque was placed in control as chief content officer. One source said the place, quote, said the, quote, place felt nuked, unquote, but others didn't go that far. The feeling was that going forward, the likelihood was that McMahon would be overseeing everything again, leaving the creative once again to his whims and sensibilities. Although, whether that actually plays out remains to be seen. Let it play out, as Alexa Bliss once told us. A big part of that feeling of resignation was that Levesque is genuinely liked and trusted by the talents, especially since so many of them came through the WWE NXT system. And for some of them, that feeling of security many had felt in the run from SummerSlam to WrestleMania was no longer a given and would be far departure from how some we spoke to felt tonight. Other talents more or less shrugged it off, feeling they always suspected all roads would lead to McMahon being back in the central creative role, role eventually, but wanted to see if this would be a regular thing or whether it just happened last night because McMahon was at TV due to being in Los Angeles for WrestleMania and the acquisition announcement. One person joked WWE was always the McMahon's world and now he's, it's back in the palm of his hand after he willingly gave it up last summer. That's the end of the report. 
So... So, I was planning on taking a victory lap tonight. I was very close to taking one last week and I'm glad I didn't. But I was planning on taking it tonight. And it's not going to happen. However, I am going to take a victory lap on this. Because from the moment we started hearing about Vince wanting to come back, wanting to get back into the company, what have I, what have I been, what have I been saying? And and look, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not the only person to have formulated this in their brain. This is, I'm not special, but I still want to take this victory lap because despite the fact that people were telling me that no, 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 there's just no way Vince McMahon can come back. It is a publicly traded company. Vince McMahon cannot return. That's not how it works. I was vehemently told by some people that I was a moron to think this. I've been told to just enjoy the product. That Triple H was going to be in charge now and that everything was going to be okay. I've been, I told y'all, I was part of this group. This small group, vocal, told y'all that Vince was going to return. That Vince McMahon was going to be back in charge of his company. That is, and if he was going to be back in charge of his company, there was no way he was going to be kept out of creative. And you can go up and down and all around. You can listen to all my podcasts from what, November? That's when it started talking. That's when they started talking about it, right? When it leaked in the Wall Street Journal. Again, I'm not special because there are tons of other people out there other observers, other uh, analysts who came up with the same exact thought I did. And I know some of you did as well. You didn't even need me to tell you. But I have been thrown around so much. Folks in my DMs telling me outright, I can't believe you're buying into this. People telling me, Bruce Pritchard said Vince wasn't coming back. Bruce Pritchard! Convinced someone that Vince McMahon was not coming back. I was told The Undertaker said that Vince McMahon was enjoying his retirement and probably wouldn't come back. I was told to shut up and enjoy the product. I was told to never mind this, that this was the Triple H era. And some of the people, I'm some of the people who were telling me. Enjoy the product. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your... Don't get into... Don't get into the weeds. Never mind what's going on backstage. But they would be the first people to say, Wow, the Triple H era is so great. Well, that's backstage. They just didn't want to hear the truth. They just didn't want to hear what was potentially something that was absolutely going to happen. And why? Why did I adhere to this? Why did I jump onto this bandwagon? Why did I believe that Vince was going to return? Because I've been watching pro wrestling for a long fucking time. And I have been watching, I have been privy to the mind of Vince McMahon in multiple ways. And I've, I am on record on this podcast to have said the most surprising thing 
of Vince McMahon, this whole story of the sale of Vince McMahon being pushed out of the company, this, the whole, the most surprising thing was Vince stepping away. That was the most surprising thing. That's what caught everyone off guard. Next thing you know, he's thinking about coming back. Oh, there you go. And what did he do? He didn't come back. He didn't say, hey, pretty please. Hey, guys, gals. Hey, chums. Hey, buddies. <clears throat> Can I come back? I'd really like to, I'd really like to be part of my company again. And everyone went, sure, Vince, come on in. No, he forced his way back in. He used, he used his 80% class B shares to vote himself back in, to kick out everyone who conspired against him, to put his sock puppet people onto the board of directors, to push his, himself back into a, a position of management, to be reemployed by WWE, and then sell his fucking company, and then be put in charge again. No accountability. There is no accountability in this. And this is a man who has lived above accountability and the law for decades. He's gotten away with everything. And this is how his story is going to wrap up. That's why him leaving the company didn't make sense. This is a, this is a, a finishing line to the Vince McMahon story that makes absolute sense, forces his way back in, becomes undeniable, sells his company, becomes even fucking rich, richer and more powerful than he was before. That is a Vince McMahon conclusion. And yet throughout it all, scandal upon scandal, being dragged to court by the federal government, by other people, other organizations, being a scumbag. He's gonna win. And that's trash. And there's no two ways about it. And I know everyone likes to talk, you know, we were fooling around with the mustache at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the stream, for those of you who are not watching. Uh, uh, live right now at the start of the stream we, we were goofing off with the mustache because it is funny it's a good meme but he's talking about he again he's uh, he's doing the interviews and he's talking about oh, I don't know about my legacy I don't know I'm not gonna... he knows about his legacy he knows what he wants he fought his way back in forced his way back in I don't know why I expected in any other type of outcome. I really don't. Or what I, no, sorry. Let me say that again. I don't know why I hoped for another outcome because this is the outcome I expected. Plus, plus, I did not see this merger thing coming. I did not see him being put, you know, in such a position of authority. But I don't know why I hoped for another outcome in regards to Vince on how he would finally get his. There's no accountability. There's just no accountability for people on that level of power 
on that level of, of, of wealth. There really isn't. It's depressing. Mr. StumbleZZ, nice to see you and welcome. Sorry you're arriving at a weird moment. And where does this leave Triple H? Where does all of this leave Triple H? Well, <clears throat> I don't know why people are going around saying, oh, he's fired, he's done. I don't know. He's here to be the fall guy, that's for sure. He's the new John Ace. They're going to keep him as a creative uh, content uh, uh, officer, executive content officer, chief executive, chief content officer, for as long as necessary. And I don't feel bad for him either. I don't feel bad for Triple H. I feel bad for WWE fans. That's a whole other thing. We'll probably talk about it later, but I don't feel bad for Triple H. He knew the stakes. He, <laughs> as he likes to say, he, he played the game He played the game and he has all his shares and he got, you know, he's been selling some back and forth. He got a $5 million bonus on this merger thing because he helped create stability within the company to create the proper atmosphere to conclude a sale or whatever kind of bullshit. But, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait I'm not going to sit here like and, and, and call it like the Triple H era is done, right? The, the Triple H era is done. Not a, uh, you know, there's no point right now. Like everything is too fresh. I, 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 want, I want to judge this when we have a little more, uh, when we have a little more background behind us. But again, I was told the show was so much better with him, right? Just enjoy the show. Never mind the backstage stuff, Triple H is in charge. What do you mean, never mind the backstage stuff, Triple H is in charge? If Triple H is in charge, if you're telling me Triple H is in charge, you're caring about the backstage stuff, so let me care about the backstage stuff on my own time, thank you very much. But, yeah, you know, and I was told it was much better, and I know a lot of people, uh, 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 you know, were very quick to dismiss it, trash it. And I feel like I gave... Triple H's run in creative, a fairer shot than a lot of people did. I, you know, a lot of people were, you know, dismissed it very quickly. I feel like I gave it a fairer shot. Maybe when some people like in September were already calling for his head, you know, I went maybe a little further. And But the show never changed. The show never changed, folks. And I, we've talked about this multiple times. It's always felt the same. There's been window dressing, right? As I like to say. Like saying wrestling on the air or having the referees have names now or saying PWG on air, right? It, 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 that's all window dressing. Those aren't real changes. Real changes would have been real changes. A different show, a show that felt different, but no, it wasn't that. Again, to be fair, I always said that at the same time. I, I always wanted to nuance this. Maybe Paul Levesque doesn't want to, you know, revamp the formula a few months before starting television renegotiations, TV deals, because that's still upcoming. But maybe he didn't want to do that. And I said, I've said this multiple times. There's, there was no real incentive 
for Triple H to reinvent the show, reinvent Monday Night Raw into this new type of programming, the formula worked. They were making money. They were getting these huge deals. There was no point in Triple H. Uh, uh, there was no point in Triple H just starting from scratch. The formula worked. But once the renegot, I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do once they had a new four-year deal set in with a network. Because then I'd be like, okay, now he has no excuses to try some shit out, right? I guess we'll never know. Maybe we'll never, I guess we'll never know now. And yet, despite it all, this company is going to make more money than ever. Even with Vince McMahon booking a, handling creative and delivering a dismal show like the April 3rd, 2023 Raw, they're still going to make hand upon fist amounts of money. WWE has reached the point where it is too big to fail. It is time now to start reviewing some pro wrestling. And we are going to start with WrestleMania 39. Oh, there is so much to talk about. WrestleMania 39 happened April 1st and 2nd, 2023 from the SoFi Arena in Inglewood, California. I don't know about this Hollywood stuff. I don't know about this Los Angeles stuff. Look, I am not, I'm not going to say that I am, you know, fully, um, <coughs> fully cognizant of all of the, um, of the uh, 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 Los Angeles geography. I'm no expert on the various municipalities and boroughs. Is that what they call I don't know what they call them. Counties that make up Los Angeles. But I know enough to know that Inglewood and Hollywood ain't the same thing. Anyway. This was Triple H's first and last. <laughs> no, I said... I said that I would give it time. I don't want to judge this on some very, very fresh information. <laughs> it's it's a success. It is a business success. Uh, 65,000 plus tickets sold per night. WWE says uh, 161,892 combined on both nights uh it was the total attendance that is bullshit it's not even possible um the venue was set up for uh, just shy of 68,000 um in the shadows of LA yeah that's right uh, 67,103 tickets distributed on night 1 67,550 distributed on night 2 for a grand total of 134,653 for both nights, which is still impressive. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm just saying, look, and this was exposed recently due to some uh, investigative journalism uh, going into some, uh, some uh, you know, uh, 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 public uh, information 
diving into some some some, some publicly available information that you know WWE just goes out and and tells whoever's counting the tickets you know count anyone who has a heartbeat you know staff the talent uh, the venue uh, employees janitors uh, you know whoever that's how they inflate the numbers that's why they can say no 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 there were 161,892 people in the in the arena well, they're not wrong but it doesn't make sense. Still, like I said, 134,653 people. That's a huge gate. Over, what, 21 million is uh, what they're projecting? I haven't heard anything said about whether or not this was the uh, uh, most watched WrestleMania of all time, but we can absolutely, <laughs> we can absolutely uh, 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 predict that that is exactly what they're going to say whenever they decide to announce it because every one of their pay-per-views PLEs we're not they're, they're not pay-per-views yet every one of their PLEs recently has been the most watched of that why because peacock subscription peacock subscriptions are up they've been up because uh they're included in um in cable packages and so on and so forth so subscriptions have been up everywhere i don't think we're going to have that the same kind of the most watched next year because a lot of these subscriptions are coming coming uh, down and a lot of these uh, uh, add-ons to cable packages are like for their one-year deals to get it for free kind of thing so there's a lot of people that are going to be dropping off absolutely so but you know we still have to keep that in mind that peacock subscriptions have doubled this is this is observable it's a it's data it exists it's out there peacock Subscriptions have doubled, so necessarily there has to be some trickle down into WWE programming. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of programming on on Peacock that has doubled, you know. And again, what is a view, you know? And, but we're not getting into that right now. I've, let's get into the show. I've talked enough business. I want to talk about wrestling here. We're gonna start with night one. Spoiler alert: I really like night one. I think it was a great wrestling show. However, it started off. Like shit, Austin Theory defeated John Cena to retain the United States title. It stunk. I have, I, I don't have much. I do have two points. And I want to, that I want to drive home here. Austin Theory did not step up. He didn't. I don't think this was a star making moment for him. Because if anything, he exposed himself as just being fine. Uh, average definitely not at the point WWE WWE is telling us he is at right that's uh, we've talked about this multiple times on the show it doesn't matter whether or not you like or you dislike Austin Theory if if the office says Austin Theory is the guy he's going to be the guy whether you like it or not and this is how he's being positioned right now why do you think he had to fight John Cena? It's the parallel right there. It's the parallel with John Cena. John Cena was a guy who people didn't quite see as a star, but he started putting on, started being put in big matches, and all of a sudden he grew into... But John Cena was always going to be the guy. He was Vince's golden boy. Then it, Roman was the golden boy. Austin Theory's next. My prediction anyway, with the way things are going? Of course, plans change. Second point I want to make here, and I want to I want to speak specifically 
to the WWE fans. Listen, I want to tell you, if there's anything that this WrestleMania show proved in this match as well, we got another example coming up later. You don't need the legends. You don't. Um, this was objectively, night one, it was objectively a great show, despite the fact that The Rock wasn't there, despite the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin wasn't there, right? All people that, that everyone who is a WWE fan on my timeline, all the discussions that I heard was like, oh, they're going to get The Rock, The Rock has to be there, but you don't need him. You don't need him either. You don't need the legends in these matches anymore because the legends on this show, objectively speaking, dragged the show down. We'll get to it a little later. But Cena here, low effort, excited to hit the pay window. You know, his Uber was probably outside waiting for him, meter running. don't need them we really don't Austin last year sure don't get me wrong but every time I hear like Wrestlemania needs the legend they need it you, you don't need them have faith in the talent that is performing for you that buster their ass over a full year they proved that you can have a meaningful show that people will remember this I believe will be a Wrestlemania that people will remember for lots of good reasons, not just the band, but for very good reasons. That you don't need this weird nostalgia kick every time. It's like, oh, but you know, it's all about the moment. Sure. But we got, we got some fantastic stuff on this show. Objectively fantastic and objectively bad. Like with the legends tonight. Anyway. Cena hit the bricks like what this match lasted what like yeah it it lasted 10 minutes 11 minutes and 20 seconds there you go and it dragged it just it wasn't good it stunk and again if theory if WWE wants theory to be the guy he'll be the guy uh regardless of what happened at WrestleMania or not The Street Profits uh, de defeated uh, where they, they won a scramble. A lot of scrambles. If you watch independent wrestling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was a scramble. A tag team scramble. Defeated uh, Alpha Academy, the Viking Raiders, and Braun Strongman and Ricochet. This match got the crowd back into it. This was electric. Good stuff. I watched so many multi-person matches throughout the weekend. I tried really hard to not let it taint me. Uh, but like every GCW show started with a scramble. Every indie show I watched had one to two scrambles on it. I was so sick of scrambles. But nonetheless, I thought this match delivered. It was electric. It was a spot fest. It was fine. Got the crowd into it. Everyone worked hard. It made me completely forget that the show opened with a dud, a snoozer. Again, not match of the night, not giving, you know, it's not anything, yeah, yeah. but was fun, was good, solid fun. Seth Rollins defeated Logan Paul. 
Logan Paul comes out with the prime energy mascot. Some of this, some of this uh, 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 sponsorship integration. Turns out the guy in the mascot, because the mascot hung, hung around the ring. I was like, oh, there's a tell. There's your tell right there. There's some, the mascot's going to get involved. Who's in, who's in the, uh, the mascot? Uh, KSI. Who? Who? Like, who's KSI? I don't know who KSI is. Turns out he's another YouTuber. And and he, uh, look, Michael Cole told us, YouTube sensation, KSI, and Logan Paul's uh, uh, business partner in the uh, prime energy drink business. I'm like, okay. And, 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 and what, how, why do I care on any conceivable level apparently he's a he does these meme these boxing these meme boxer shows these these youtube boxing matches that you know youtubers do all the time you know with the jake paul stuff and apparently he's one of those i don't know who this guy is now the 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 voices of wrestling guys on their review of wrestlemania made an excellent point in regards to fame right and <laughs> see, at least I know who XQC is, but that's that's because of geographical location. That's because, you know, they talk about him on the news sometimes, like the legit news here, because he's 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 from Quebec. Anyway, that's the only thing. But the they had a, they made a very good point, which I'm going to parrot here because I agree with it. When like. I can accept that this guy is probably known by a target audience that is not me. I, I'm pushing 50. Who, why the fuck should I know who a YouTuber is, right? It's like, the, there's no point, okay? Lots of these famous YouTubers, it, you know, it's kids and, you know, younger adults who grew up watching these guys, I guess, who know who they are. And that's the target audience that WWE wants, right? They, they want to they rejuvenate their, their, their crew, so their, their viewers, so... I get it. So it's not for me. But this idea that just because someone is known, this idea is that just because someone is known doesn't mean they're famous. Does that make, if that makes sense, right? Just because, just because they're, uh, 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 they're known to a bunch of people doesn't mean they're famous. And this concept of fame, well, he's famous to these people. Well, he's not famous, is he? 1983, Michael Jackson was famous. Elvis Presley is famous. These people are famous because whether you are a a tot or uh, or uh, you know a, a senior citizen, not unlike myself, you know who these people are. That's what fame is. So again, I can appreciate, I can appreciate that they're doing this for a certain crowd, but you're not going to come after me and say he's famous because he's not, he's well known in his circle and what he does. And that's really cool, but he's not, it's not fame. That's not what fame is. If he's famous, I'm not questioning who he is. So he's not famous. And that's, I think if we accept that, that's fine. I can accept that he, 
he, he's, a, he's a niche player and that's fine. But he's not famous. Yeah, he needed a vignette. Needed, where were where were the video packages for KSI? <laughs> anyway, listen. I think a lot of people are really going overboard on this match. I thought it was solid, a fun spot show, uh, but you know, a good one. I thought it was a good one. The high spots were great. Don't get me wrong. You know they're. Uh, you know the the you know the 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 Logan Paul splash onto the the commentary table. It's it's good. He's doing you know he's doing a GTS. Meanwhile, Phil Brooks is sitting at home and he's fuming. Meanwhile, in Orlando, Kenta is sitting at home watching this and he's fuming. <laughs> you know, it's like I I you know it's fine, but I think a lot of people are overselling this performance. I preferred. His 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 first match that he did, what against the Miz, right? Don't tell me. I I I don't watch the Saudi show, so don't, I couldn't tell you for Roman Reigns. Couldn't tell. You. But I preferred his match with the Miz than this one here. And here's the thing about Logan Paul. <laughs> He's a prodigy. Sure, he picked up wrestling really easily. Sure, he gets it absolutely. But the ticket is that there are people currently on the WWE roster that can do what he does. And 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 it's they're, they're, and it's fine, you know? But there are people on the roster that can do what he does. And he's running around with the with the with the Brock deal. I'd be mad if I were a regular. I'd be mad if I were a guy who's traveling or a gal uh, who's traveling up and down the roster, uh, traveling up and down the country. All the time, and then this guy comes in, and he gets a singles match at WrestleMania. And if he, and honestly, if he was just brought, if he was, let me rectify that. If he was brought in just for WrestleMania matches, I really wouldn't have a problem with it. And why do I have that much of a problem with it? Well, because he's a scumbag. Because he's a scumbag. He's a liar, and he's a scammer. He scams his audience constantly. He's a, a, a and he's a terrible person. So. He fits, when you think about it, he fits right well, perfectly in wrestling. He fits right in. So, you know, I cannot be 100, it doesn't happen very often where I'm, I can't be 100% objective. Look, at, the analyst part of me wants to sit here and, and, and praise Logan Paul for everything, for, for, for how natural he is, how he should just like drop everything and become a pro wrestler. But the part of me that just absolutely loathes this human being cannot bring myself to saying, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I can't. I just can't. And I thought they were positioning Seth after this match, after he won, I thought they were positioning Seth to go after Cody, that he was going to be Cody's first challenger because, oh, they had a, they almost came to a fist fight backstage. I don't know if you heard about this. I'm like, God, oh, Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, and, you know, Seth saying, you know, I've been here for a while and Cody arrives and then he takes over my spot. And I was like, okay. I mean, he's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. He's not wrong. 
Anyway, that match was good, but I, you know, I there's I I think for from a purely analytical aspect, I think people are going overboard with it. I don't think it's that good. I think it's good. I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's great. But from a, an emotional point of view, Logan Paul can go fuck himself. Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus defeated Damage Control. I'm sorry, folks. This stunk. Because I like, I like all the women in this match. I like them all. But this stunk. And this is why I cringe when nostalgia acts are booked for matches. Again, I know this. I've mentioned this multiple times. WrestleMania is not about matches. It's about moments. We know this. And this is what this was. It was a match for moments so that so that Lita and Trish and I could only I will never look as good as Trish Stratus in you know in the next couple I'm done this is the best this is the best that it's gonna get folks Trish Stratus is she's phenomenal but you got them all in the ring together and you know all of the you know all of the diva stands are excited and I'm and I'm happy for them and I'm you know and I'm looking at this and like you know yes you know this is fine but you know you put them in a match and I'm like. This is what what I was referencing earlier. You don't need the legends. WWE fans, listen to me. You don't need the legends. You really don't. Lita has always been a so-so wrestler regardless, even in her prime. She's always been a so-so wrestler. And I don't see her, how her coming in, doing spots in the year of our Lord, 2023, doing poetry in motion, which actually kind of more looked like, you know, uh, you know, long-winded prose. I, I I don't think how this made this show any better. Trish was fine, I guess. You know, but she's been out of the ring for so long. She's all right. She's like she she wasn't even close to being the most egregious part of this match. Manhandle slam off the second rope by Becky gets the win on Bailey. Not Dakota Kai. Not Io Sky. Bailey. Flat on her back. Clean as a sheet. And then she tweets out, all love affairs, I'm paraphrasing. All, uh, hang on, let me, no, no, no. Don't paraphrase Warren, get the, get it right. Let's go to Twitter, let's pull up Bailey's account. Bailey, Bailey. Ba not Mike Bailey. Christ. They're not related as far as I know. And sometimes the most romantic love story comes to an end by. She tweeted this on April 2nd, Sunday night. So everyone is like, oh, is she leaving? Is she going to... Look, I'm going to tell you. She, I hope she does leave. She should leave. She should leave. She is turning into, and, and, and I, you know, I think I, I talked about it. She's, she has become, at this point, the fourth of the four horsewomen. The, the, the forgettable one. The one that is just like completely <laughs> tossed aside. You know, Sasha, it's had championship. She's a star. 
Becky Lynch made it to the top. Charlotte is the golden girl. Bailey, she is the fourth of those four, right? And why would she stick around? Why would she stick around? There is no reason for... She's brought back on at SummerSlam with Dakota and Io Shirai. We're going to talk about those two in a second as well. She comes back with those two to a raucous universal uh, 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 reaction. Universal praise by everyone. Or like, this rules. All three of them jump into the ring to, to, to get after red hot Bianca Belair. She hadn't started to cool off yet. Still red hot. And we're all rubbing our hands together. We're like, finally, some, some good shit, pal. We have these, these visions of damage control being the four, like the NWO or the four horsemen of you know, like literally the stable here uh, for the women's division going right and left and, you know, attacking people and just establishing their, their dominance. And then what happens? We get the tournament for the women's tag team titles. Which Io Shirai and Dakota Kai are in. And they make it to the finals, but they decide to strap Raquel Gonzalez and Aaliyah. And it has been downhill from that point on. These, this stable has been geeked out so hard. So incredibly hard. And even to this day, even this weekend, at WrestleMania, they were saying, damage control, commentary was saying, Michael Cole, uh, damage control has been running roughshod across the division and, uh, you know, has been imposing their will. They've been a force to reckon with. No, they have not. It's been the opposite. They've been nerds, geeks. Even the so-called leader of the faction couldn't even win a big match. What the fuck? fuck are we talking about so if i'm bailey and i have hope because vince is gone and paul levesque is on the phone and he's saying bailey i got something really cool for you and we're gonna bring up dakota and eo and you're gonna be the head of your own stable your own group and she's going finally something to sink my teeth in instead of doing ding dong hello and doing a goofy laugh i can't do the goofy laugh anymore because seth is doing the goofy laugh now And she's jobbed out. She's a jobber to the stars, as we used to say back in the 90s. That's what she is. And now, losing flat on her back, that's a sign. Doing the J-O-B as you're leaving the territory. And I don't blame... It's not going to get better with Vince. And Bailey's a smart... Bailey's a smart cookie. She knows. She knows Vince pigeonholed her she knows what he expects of her bailey was a built-in nxt success she was a built-in success that they could have brought up and just let her go but no they had to fix her they had to tweak her she had to oh she never kissed the boy and all this bullshit remember that in the meantime she goes across seats at clash at the castle 
And what are what are the people of Wales doing? What are, not Wales, Scotland. Where were they? I don't get in the UK. I don't remember. What were they singing? They were singing the old NXT Bailey song. And she, you could tell she was loving every minute of it, that it meant something for her, but she was playing her heel role perfectly and telling them to shut up. Because she's a heel. And you're going to tell me that this woman didn't have potential to be a big star for the women's division? Fuck right off. I don't blame her if she wants to leave. She should leave. Her friend, Mercedes Monet, is out there having the time of her life. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Bailey can hit the circuit like Mercedes did and start asking for Mercedes money and, you know, and, and being on that level. Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet is on a completely other level. Okay? That's fine. Bailey doesn't have the superstar power, but I... If, if I'm her and I'm just seeing, you know, Mercedes picking her spots, doing whatever the hell she wants to do, seeing a nice, healthy, thriving scene. Bailey is another wrestling nerd, by the way. She's also one of us. I am not saying that she's an instant success. I'm not, but I'm saying, what I am saying is that she can absolutely see what Mercedes is doing, Christ, she was with Mercedes when she, at the, at the New Japan show in February, she was backstage, she was there, she saw the show, she hung around, she sees this shit, she's no dummy, I was like, eh. instead of just sitting around and waiting for Vince to tell me what to do, why don't I take the bull by the horns and do my own thing, and that's commendable, she can absolutely do that, and there are promotions that will open their arms wide for someone like Bailey. And as for Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, you know, I, I don't know if you if you heard, like they they had a they had an offer from Stardom before coming back at SummerSlam. They had both Dakota Kai had an offer from Stardom, and apparently Io Shirai wasn't uh, she wasn't far behind. And I I complimented Dakota, where I'm like, good for her to have leveraged this call, Paul, and said, hey, Paul, do you have something for me? Because I'm about ready to hit the bricks to Japan. And Paul was like, yeah, you know what? Hang on a second. Let me get some money for you. Good for her for leveraging. But they're absolutely sitting around doing, what the fuck are we doing? The fuck is this shit? And now Vince is back. We're doomed. We're doomed. There's a bunch of people who are doomed now that Vince is back. I would, anyone who was not on Raw on Monday has to be crap in their pants. Damage control is a dead act. It, and it should be an indictment to Triple H's booking. It should be an indictment to Triple H's booking. Because this held promise, had the fans excited about it, women, in an exciting angle, drop the ball. Drop the entire ball in the entire women's division. FYI. But this is something you hang on Triple H, Booker of the Year, who was handed, handed a, a, a fire story that he just happened to stumble into something interesting with Sami Zayn because they've been telling the same story over and over again. And they're back. 
to telling the same story over and over again. Now the Usos, oh, now Roman doesn't trust the Usos again. We're back to fucking square one. And this is the greatest story ever told in pro wrestling. Hit the bricks. Rey Mysterio defeated Dominic, who was driven into the stadium in a corrections vehicle. He was wearing an old Rey Mysterio mask. I believe it was a Halloween Havoc mask that Rey wore. Rey gets chauffeured to the ring by Snoop Doggy Dog in a lowrider. And he gets three different songs for his entrance. He gets, he gets a, a Snoop. It's literally like a medley. He gets Snoop, he gets Eddie's theme, and then his own. You know what? I dug the entrance. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I liked it. And this match was sponsored by Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Nothing says blood feud like sweet breakfast cereal, right? All the colors of all the cinemojis hanging around ringside and there was an actual cinemoji right there and then cinemoji around the ring uh, on, on the LEDs and, uh, and, and, you know, really got me into it. Like, the, you know, father and son blood feud, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, the binding of Isaac kind of situation. Uh, this, you know, yeah, not... Mmm, nom, 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 nom. Give me some crunchy, crunchy breakfast cereal. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is pretty good. You know what I just... They have, a, they have a, a variety now that is called... Uh, that is churros. Cinnamon Toast Crunch churros, which if you were to ask me, and you're not, but I'm speaking right now and you have no way to control what I'm saying, I prefer to Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I would give... A high recommendation to Cinnamon Toast Crunch Churro cereal if you enjoy Cinnamon Toast Crunch, period. <clears throat> As you know, I can't stand Dominic. I think he stinks. I think he is a I think he is bad at every aspect of pro wrestling. He doesn't get it. He doesn't know how to look like a star. Uh, and I think WrestleMania exposed that. And I'm sure that I'm sure that a, a bunch of people enjoyed. I am sure the World Wrestling Federation entertainment fans enjoyed this match because it's a story and it paid off and good for them. And because to me, this this match was average at best and insufferable at its worst. Ray guiding Dominic through spots. Good. Dom interacting with his family. Terrible. I can't do it. I think he sucks. He sucks. He's a pro, he's a bad pro wrestler writing an irony gimmick. Uh, he was he was serviceable in this match because his father is fucking Rey Mysterio. Um, uh, fucking and just like the matches he had during the pandemic where he was guided through the matches with Seth, this kid can't do it. And, and, and when I said that WrestleMania exposed him for being anything but a star, everyone on that card owned their entrances. If you strip away the, the, the you know, Dan Barry and all the other local indies who were dressed up as constables bringing him to the, to the ring, 
he just sort of ambles along and he's just there. He doesn't have presence. He doesn't project anything. In the next match, I've got one woman coming out solo without any bells or whistles and she is commanding that fucking arena. And then you have Dom Mysterio. Pale as a sheet, wibbly wobbly. The finish was overbooked. The LWO, the Mysterios, Bad Bunny. I can't, I can't care for it. I, and, I, and, I, and I apologize. The match in itself, it's all right. But I, I, I can't do this match. I, it's, it's too much for me. I can't do it. Again, I'm sure WWE fans were out of their mind. And they were like, fuck yeah. I get it. This is a good build. I get it. I think it's ironic that the LWO comes out to save Ray. From what I understand, Ray was, he rebirthed the LWO, which is funny because back in the original storyline of the Latina World Order, Ray didn't want to join. And then when he did, like it was done like two weeks later or some shit like that. Hey, Fretz, how you doing, Mr. Fretz? Nice to see you. Um, nah, I, I got no use for this. It's the, the, I'm sorry. Like I said, the match was fine, but everything that made the match what it was supposed to be, I, I can't do it. However, Rhea Ripley defeating Charlotte Flair to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion, that has everything that Warren Hayes loves in a big-time wrestling match. This ruled, it ruled on every level. And listen, I'm talking about Dominic Mysterio, who looks like a schlub, who looks like if I was walking to the ring at WrestleMania. You have Rhea Ripley coming out without a retinue, without bells and whistles, without someone driving her in, all alone, steps out on the stage, she has the music, she has the big chains, she has the visuals, but she is alone and she is owning every single moment. She is projecting superstardom. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, this woman fucking gets it. This is a, this is a big time pro wrestler. Nothing against Charlotte, because Charlotte is the same. Charlotte is a, she's a beast when it comes to her, her presentation and, and, and her setup and how she presents herself. Don't get me wrong. We know how she commands it. It's just Rhea. What a glow up since she started at the fucking May Young Classic. Look at where she is. This has been, this is a success story. If they continue to make her, she could absolutely be a megastar. And they need big stars for the women's division because the four horsewomen, two of them are, one of them is gone. One of them is probably on the way out, or at least it looks like it. And two others are getting up there in age. Charlotte's taking another break. And it ain't gonna be Liv. They tried with Liv. It ain't gonna be Liv. Sorry to say. Bianca is a win. And so is Rhea Ripley. Anyway, this was physical and brutal and I loved it. This felt like the least sports entertaining match of the night. The most pro wrestling one of the night. I love, love, loved it. It was my match of the night. 
slow burn building to something you know they're taking their time they're 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 setting up the story and when they started dropping themselves on their fucking heads it got nuts and then like when Rhea dropped Charlotte on her fucking nose like magnificent a little sloppy who the fuck cares it was great I loved the near ref bump that distracted Charlotte so Rhea headbutts uh, Charlotte and, and riptides her. Charlotte, of course, kicks out. But they do another near ref bump. Like, the, it's not an actual ref bump, but it's more like, oh, you know, they're teasing that, this, that there might be shenanigans. But there were no shenanigans. So the second near ref bump, Rhea eats a spear. And we get another near fall. And we're fucking out of, we're standing up on her feet. I'm going nuts. You can ask Kristen. I loved the figure eight attempt. Charlotte locks it in and starts to arch. And Rhea, she's not doing the, oh, I'm going to wait here. I'm going to suffer it. No, she just fucking grabs for the ropes immediately. I'm like, God, it's these little tiny things that just, they, that's what makes me believe. That's what dry, that's what gets me in. That's pro wrestling. The audience wanted Rhea to win. She won. She was the right choice. Awesome match. Match of the night. Best match of either woman's career. One of the top women's matches in the history of WWE. It's Charlotte's best match by far. And yes, I throw in the, the, the great matches that she had with, uh, with Sasha Banks. This is... I, better than her uh, her uh, WrestleMania match a couple a few years ago against Asuka. I don't remember which one. I'm bad with the WrestleMania numbers. It, this just ruled. It ruled and it ruled again. Then we do a, a segment with the Miz, uh, who I, I don't understand the the hosting of WrestleMania thing. They come out twice to do a sh to do shtick. Pat McAfee comes in. I have no thoughts on this. I, I have no thoughts. This is um, this. You know what this is? I, I, I'm lying. There's this. This there is a thought. This is this is WWE seeing how everyone thought it was so funny. The reaction that Michael Cole had when he jumped up and he was you know was it was it a Royal Rumble when Pat McAfee jumped up and come out his music hit and then Michael Cole jumped up like you know he was a fucking gopher you know. Um, you know, one of the, those prairie dogs. And this is them doing the same thing here. It's like, oh, let's get Michael Cole excited again. People like that. And they, they're going to milk this. They're going to do this again. You know how they are. We get an interminable series of things that show up on the main screen between the end of that segment and the opening of the main event, including Lil Uzi Vert showing up. Again, I got no thoughts on this other than can we please just get to the wrestling? Let's have some main event stuff. And we got it with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defeating the Usos to get the undisputed tag team titles. What do they call them? WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown tag team titles, whatever they call them. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn come out, they have the PWG logo and Super Dragon's mask on their trunks. And here's in, something interesting. 
Match starts with immediately Sammy being the babyface in peril. Uh, straight out the gate. So there's no, no messing around. There's no like initial burst from the babyfaces. No, we're going straight to the heels. And I thought this was a nice little refreshing break from the usual stuff. And the story here is that the Usos are pummeling the shit out of Sammy until he's on spaghetti legs, until he's believably done. And yet when he kicks out, people lose their minds. This is tremendous storytelling. Tremendous. KO gets an, an early electric, electric, electric hot tag with diving sentons and frog splashes to the floor. Sammy lands a brain buster on the April. I was hoping he'd do one on the turnbuckles, but the spirit of El Generico was not with us that night. Um, Swanton by Kevin Owens, but the Usos get back in control and have a super kick party. The Usos drive Kevin Owens through the commentary table. He's dead. He's gone like for eons. And this is where they inflict massive punishment on Sammy. We get some monologuing. It's fine. But Sammy exploder hits an exploder suplex on Jay into the corner. Kevin Owens comes back with some pop-up power bombs. Some awesome high impact moves from everyone. The crowd is the crowd is so fucking into this. Kevin Owens is psyching Sammy up. He's like, let's finish this. I loved it. Kevin Owens lands a spinning slam off the top rope on Jimmy, I believe. Jay eats a halluva kick and another halluva kick and another halluva kick. And we have new champions. What a fucking celebration. And you know what I, here's the thing. For everyone who's like, oh, but I like it when, when they talk during the match and they say, Sami Zayn, I was petrified when he was doing the halluva kicks, right? He was picking Jay back up, right? And they, they're the ones who have the, the most direct rivalry, right? Those are the two that have the most friction because Jay learned to love Sammy and he feels Sammy betrayed him. You know the story. And he's, so he hits the Huluva kick and he picks up Jay who's like, you know, he's dead weight, puts him up on the corner, does it again, and then he picks him up again and he's looking at him. And he, Sammy did not, and I was terrified he was going to monologue, but he didn't. Sammy didn't have to, he, he didn't have to say something like, you were my brother. I loved you. You know, it's like, you know, I loved you so much. You know, you were my family. Other, all that kind of, we didn't need to. Because everything in Sammy's face and the reactions that he was doing, everything was clear. We understood what was going on. We didn't need to have it shut down our throats. Why? Because we're smart. Because we're not fucking pieces of wood. We're not ponytail palms. Beautiful stuff. There's no way you can you cannot have enjoyed this match. There's no even if you hated the bloodline angle. What a beautiful payoff! This was the payoff to that to the entire bloodline story, and they pulled it off perfectly at the right moment. This was it. It hit the highs right here. Couldn't have gotten any better. Hit the highs right here. The payoff was spectacular. It worked. It just, everything about this worked. The, I can't say, I can't say anything bad about this match. 
I just can't. And they avoided a lot of the pratfalls of typical WWE booking in these types of main event situations. Speaking of main events, there was the controversy, right? The speculation. Was it going to be the tag team match or was it going to be Charlotte and Rhea that was going to main event? Now, I made a case for, you know, I made a case for both last week and I still maintain it. But when you, when you look at how things played out, this was absolutely the right call. And if Charlotte and Rhea were pissed off at not main eventing the mat, the main eventing night one, and they delivered that match to sort of prove whoever made that call backstage wrong, well, we win. We got two final matches on night one that overshadowed everything, anything that was so-so or bad on the card. Two matches that, that absolutely carry a show. Two big-time, legendary matches that will go down in history for multiple reasons. So, th they made the right choice to have the bloodline angle be wrapped up on night one. I don't think there was any other way. And the match delivered. The women didn't main event, sucked. But we got one of the best women's matches one of the best matches WWE has ever put on. Why, why am I qualifying this with just women? It was outstanding. Great stuff. Fantastic night one. I told you we were going long tonight. How's everybody doing? WrestleMania 39 night two now. Now, you want to talk about an entirely different feeling from what I had night one? This is it right here. I got annoyed at this show. I got I got annoyed real fucking fast at this show. Really fast. And it ca it's it stayed throughout because oh lord. Okay. Brock Lesnar defeats Omas in less than 5 minutes. So the story here is Lesnar is being tossed around which, you know, that that's that's what we wanted. Isn't that what we wanted out of this match? We wanted we wanted Brock Lesnar to be thrown around. Have him in a position that we've never seen him in before, right? And he does. And it's just, hey, look, it's a big, stupid match with big, stupid men. Brock F5s Amas twice. No, he, he no, he tries once, but oh, my back is such a big gentleman's, but he does it like immediately after. It's like, okay, all right. You know, Brock Lesnar saw John Cena hit the pay window like within 11 minutes and Cena and Brock was like, bet, I'll hit the pay window in half the time. Then we had the other scramble match where Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler defeated Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville and Liv Morgan and Raquel Gonzalez and Natalia and Shotzi Blackheart. Like, just a dismal match. A dismal. And Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey didn't bump once. She had the Alexa Bliss special. Didn't bump a single time, came in for the, her finisher and hit the pay window. Dismal. I'm not wasting any breath on this. Because I want to waste some breath on my favorite WWE match of the weekend, 
the Intercontinental Triple Threat title match where Gunter retained against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. My favorite WrestleMania match of the weekend. This slapped, ruled, fucked, whatever qualifier you want to put on it. This was amazing. And it started with a strike against it because it was a multi-person match for a title which I hate but here I am singing its praises it was outstanding and despite the tropes right where Drew McIntyre takes Gunther out with the kick from the get-go and, and Gunther eating a kick suddenly incapacitates him for three minutes straight I'm like see and I hate this shit and I know why they do it but these are the WWE triple threat tropes right but this match was so good. This match was so good that I forgot about them. It made me forget them. And it was creative, creative enough. There was enough good stuff that I have never seen in a WWE ring to make me jump out of my seat and say, this fucking rules. I'm annoyed from the get-go, but that disappears. Because we get the most King's Road match I have ever seen in World Wrestling Entertainment. We get the bro kicks, the topes, the near falls. But this is a fight. It's a fight. My favorite, my favorite sequence of this entire match. And there were so many things. But my favorite sequence was Drew and Sheamus throwing bombs at each other, right? Lariats. And they're so exhausted and overwhelmed with pain and, you know, they're draping over each other, right? They, they're landing the lariat, but they can't pull back. They lean into each other. They're keeping each other up. So fantastic. Gunter takes over, power bombs them both. Drew eats the pin. Sheamus should have won. Because Sheamus, anyone who's listened to this show knows that Sheamus is... I have... Very positive feelings about Sheamus. I love Sheamus. I think he is. He has been a workhorse for that company for the better part of two years. Time after time, he goes out there and he's he's on a streak of delivering such a, some of the best matches in the in company history. He should have won. He should have had the moment. Moments, right? But I digress. I, it, it does. It's not that. It's not that significant to the degree where I'm going to knock off some. No, this to me that was this was my match of the weekend for WWE. Nothing came close from World Wrestling Entertainment. No, that's not true. Not nothing came close. It was up there. I, you know, I was juggling between this and the women's match, but this was just too much my speed. It was just. It just answered everything that I love about pro wrestling. That was it right there. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm excited to see what old Uncle Dave is going to rate this match. How, what, what he's going to rate it. Because I think if he does give this five stars, I believe Gunter will have been the, uh, the uh, pro wrestler who has delivered the most five-star matches under a WWE banner in history. I believe. It's Gunter's Gunter's gold. He's he's gold. 
Next, we had the Raw Women's Title match where Bianca Belair defeated Asuka. This was a, this was a perfectly fine match. You know, I got nothing bad to say about it. Bianca was, Bianca was so much in control for the majority of the match. I figured, uh, okay, she's gonna lose. Asuka's gonna mount a comeback, but no. You know, she's pulling out all the power moves. She's hitting Germans, deadlifts. Asuka from the ring apron, right into the ring and in a suplex. You know, Asuka is trying to counter. She's doing counter. She has some great counters too. But the mist is avoided despite a ref bump and we get a KOD. Uh, okay. Um, I kind of, I kind of thought that they were going to, that they were going to strap up Asuka here. I really did because Bianca feels cold and uh, she needs to do something exciting again. But look at who's in charge of creative now. <laughs> and Asuka tweeted out that, you know, something mysterious that uh, insinuating that she might be on her way out as well. Bianca's, you know, three for three at WrestleMania. The new streak. And yeah, I agree. I think this was her. Out of the three, this is this was her more uh this was her most underwhelming match of the three but it was fine then we had shane mcmahon show up and blow a quad on a leapfrog i what i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you um and then this led to snoop dogg defeating Miz. i who cares Ooh. Who care? Who is this for? Then we get the Hell in a Cell match. Edge defeated Finn Balor. God, good God. This was a whole lot of nothing. And look, I remember the brood. I remember the brood. I remember when Edge was the third guy in a trio. And to make sure, and he comes out, right? And, and he's got a, you know, everyone was laughing, the disco ball on his head. And just to make sure that we knew that we were dealing with something special, they had it up on the Titantron, it was written Brood Edge. It was not Brood Edge. Brood Edge wore a long trench coat with, uh, with uh, uh, dark sunglasses. And he did one of these. That's all. The only reason it resembled a brood entrance is because they did the little elevator platform thing in the Ring of Fire. Brood Edge, Jesus Christ. The brood was a flash in the pan. People remember it just because of the entrance. They, 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 they were never special. Because next thing you know, it's the Hardys who are in the brood. What? Anyway, Hell in a Cell. Nothing says blood feud like color-coordinated weapons. Right? Am I right? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> this is just a whole bunch of just really basic stuff right up until Finn eats a ladder to the face and he gets open hard way on it to the point that they stop the match because he's bleeding and they're not, you know, they're keeping the camera away from from Ed from Finn cuz the medical team are in and they're stapling his forehead, right? They're putting uh, you know um uh, an anesthetic, a local anesthetic and they're stapling his head shut 
so they can so he can continue the match and get his stitches later. Imagine stopping a hell in a cell match because there's blood. This is what happened. You tell 1998 Warren Hayes. You fly back in time. And you say, Warren, in 2023, when there's blood in the hell of the cell, they're going to interrupt the match. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'll shoot future me. Because that's how I rolled back then. This is the thing that ends careers, right? This is the, you know, that transforms people forever, right? That and fucking... Uh, elimination chamber, right? And yet, everyone just, you know, they go into it and they come out and everyone's like hunky-dory and then something actually dramatic happens and we can't show it, we can't speak about it, we can't talk about it. Moratorium, I call for moratoriums on ladder matches, I'm calling for moratoriums on Hell in a Cell. Why? Because Hell in a Cell's in, a, in an environment, in a pro wrestling environment, in the year of our Lord 2023, where AEW exists on North American television, I cannot stand to watch a quote-unquote brutal cage match that includes no blood. I just can't. I just can't. You can make an argument that AEW maybe does it too much, but they brought this back. They brought it back. I can't watch a guy grate another guy's head into the mesh and there's and no one gets busted open. Like to me, it's a fail. It it completely takes me out of it. It's it's baby's first hardcore match. I, I couldn't give a shit. And no one and on, on top of that, nobody remembers Hell in the Cells anymore. No one does. You have Hell in the Cells all the time in WWE. There's a pay-per-view a year. At least up until recently. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. Maybe Vince is going to bring it back at this point. I don't know. Who cares? Um, but they bring it back here. No one remembers anything. No one remembers the spots. Yes, we all remember Mankind. Mick Foley being thrown off. Do you remember that he was thrown off twice? Another time as Cactus Jack. you remember that? Do you remember how he was thrown off? What about Rikishi? you remember that? Drew? Drew McIntyre? Do you remember that? No, of course you don't. Maybe Rikishi because of the bales of hay because that was pretty funny. But Drew, you don't remember. You don't, you, no one remembers these fucking matches. You maybe remember five. And I think I'm being generous. I think you remember five Hill in a Cell matches. Take her in HBK. Okay, sure. Undertaker and, uh, and Mick Foley, of course. No one remembers these fucking matches anymore. Does anyone remember Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy? No, of course you don't. So the expectations are extremely high and you always end up disappointing. This, 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 this tanked, this, this was terrible. The, the fact that they stopped the match, all of this was bad. All of this was bad. And, and, and the audience is so starved for something to happen in this match that they're chanting, holy shit, when the demon Finn Balor, let's not forget that, climbs up to a little ledge off of the Hell in a Cell to jump feet first through a table in the ring. So he's not doing a senton, he's not doing, he's not doing a wild spot, he's doing, and, and that's fine. I don't mind if he does a safe spot, but it's a safe spot, but the audience so wants to get behind this, they're 
holy shitting that move, that very safe, very basic move. Edge rolled off, rolled off of the table. Nothing happened. Edge wins this match. Who cares? Why is Adam Copeland winning matches in 2023? No one has had a, a better road to WrestleMania than Adam Copeland. And then we get to the main event. Where Roman Reigns successfully defended the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. I thought this was a solid match. I thought the work was fine. I thought the uh, I was sucked into the drama of it. But it turns out this was laid out like every Roman Reigns match you have seen over his historic thousand day reign or whatever the fuck. Whatever they call it. It's been the same. Interference upon interference, then unexpected interference to get to the result that we get. Despite that, okay. Don't get too don't get too snarky just yet, Warren. Dial it back. Despite it all, the match felt big time. The, the match felt big time. Huge. It was absolutely the wrong booking decision, <laughs> but the match was big time. And I'm going to tell you, you can have all the mental contortions you want to try and make, to try and make sense that, the, but this was the moment and there's no other way to go around it. This was it. This was the apex. You were not going to be able to put the pace back into the tube at this point. It, it we're done. Instead of giving, instead of giving the live crowd and the, the, the millions of people watching on the Peacock at home or on the WWE Network elsewhere. Despite all of that. Despite giving all of these people a good, feel-good moment. You decided to do the complete opposite. WWE, and this is why I tweeted out, WWE fans, I feel bad for WWE fans because they could have been treated to a real authentic, feel-good championship moment. One that had been expertly built. I, I, can't, I, I can't put it over enough. This was... Cody's booking has been sensational. Everyone talks about the bloodline, but I think Cody's booking in WWE has been the true tour de force for this company. Super hot baby face. Pull the trigger here. It will never get better than him coming to the ring, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving his belt to fucking Brody, Brody uh, Lee's uh, kid 
uh, uh, hugging his daughter, you know, giving uh, Brandy a peck on the cheek. The crowd eating up every single fucking moment of this. It will never get better than this. You can argue with me all you want. Save it for MSG. Save it for money in the bank. Save it for Saudis. Stop saving the moments. Just fucking pull the trigger on them. You had it. You had it right there. And you... The mental contortions have begun. WWE fans, read my lips. You were cheated out of a spectacular generational moment, a true defining moment. Oh, it's going to be big. This is the, here are the two completely insane theories that have been thrown my way. Warren, don't worry. He'll just win money in the bank. He fucking won the Royal Rumble. He doesn't need to win money in the bank. What are we doing? This is insane. Warren, we're going to redo this at WrestleMania 40. He's going, the American nightmare that's going to win it in the birthplace of America. You're nuts. You're going to wait another year for this? Are you insane? Are you crazy? What are you doing? This is bad. This is bad on every level. It's indefensible. And yes, I'm going to go down this route. They blew two super hot, super over baby faces within two months of of each other. Spaced within two months. They blew it twice. I did not buy into Sammy winning at the Elimination Chamber for all the reasons I laid out, right? Because of the championship, because they want the... they don't want Sammy as the face of the company. They want a guy like Cody. They want a guy like Roman. I get it. I think it would have been a good decision. Would have made the show unpredictable. Would have made WrestleMania unpredictable. This would have been a blast. But no, they went, I understand. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan, right? That's fine. But nonetheless, they blew an opportunity with a red hot baby face. Now, this is not just a hot hand. This is not just a super hot Cody guy, right? Like they, you know, like they say, a hot hand, right? This is the guy they've been building for this spot. This is the guy that the audience buys into. Do you know how hard it is for WWE to build a babyface that the audience is getting behind? Do you know how hard it is for them to do it? And they did it. They're completely all in on it. So yeah, I'm going down the route of saying that they blew it twice, but it wasn't the plan, Warren. Who gives a fuck? Your crowd reactions are insane. You can create unpredictability. You can create you can create moments of uh, of, 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 of of true surprise. Create some goodwill. Everyone looks at this and like, what the fuck is going on? And if you're making up any type of scenario, it's like, well, Warren, this makes sense because no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It, on a on a on a. How many promoters out there do you believe would have given their left hand and their right testicle to have had a, such a hot over baby face like that? How many re- promoters in history would be looking at this and saying, this shit stinks. They fucked up. It doesn't make sense. 
Oh, the story, the story. This isn't a question of about the story. This is pro wrestling. This is getting a hot crowd. This is getting your, oh, your, your product feeling hot. Because now, look at what happened on Raw. Look at what happened on Raw. We're back to the bloodline falling apart. Oh, now the Usos, no, they can't come into the island of relevancy again. Like it's, we're back to square one. We're not doing anything new or compelling or interesting or fun. The greatest story ever told is now back to being exactly what it was. And then we're, we're saying, well, Warren, it's because they're going to Puerto Rico and probably Roman's not going to be there. So we'll see. So your main event, which is likely going to be Cody and Brock now, is just going to be a singles match. You absolutely could have strapped up Cody and have him defeat Brock Lesnar on his first defense at Puerto, in Puerto Rico, which is probably going to be a huge show for y'all. I don't know. He's gonna beat. He's gonna beat Brock regardless, title or not. I I do not understand. I I I I don't. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It does. It it just does not connect for me. It doesn't. It's because of the stories, Warren. Are you telling me there was no stories you could tell with Cody winning the title and moving forward? You have a you have a literal refresh button. Of tie of stories to tell, but they'll tell the stories anyway with Cody. But you're missing the point. You're missing the point of keeping a guy hot, of making him a superstar. This was the guy, and more importantly, this was the moment. They will, even if they wait a full year, even if they have him win Money in the Bank, which they shouldn't. Like all the, all these garbage theories. Oh, they're doing the Rocky Three story, Warren. Ha ha ha. Sure, okay. I can mean that. That's funny. Cody's going to come back stronger. I have no faith. I have no faith in WWE creative. I don't. And and yes, if you're sitting around saying, but Warren, and when you talk about AEW, you keep saying hey, how great it is and uh, you know how the long-term story and let it play out on this. I'll tell you, yes, but because you can't do a one-for-one -one comparison here. You absolutely cannot. Because in, the, because in both cases, in AEW's case and WWE's case, they have earned on one end and lost my faith on both on both ways and absolutely both ways AEW has shown me has given me enough trust in their long term booking and in their storytelling to believe that when they do things they're setting crumbs and I can see the crumbs they're setting things that will lead to a thing and most of the time I would say an easy majority of the time it pays off properly it pays off in a way that makes sense. And I'm like, this is a good story. No, we're good. WWE has proven to me that they cannot do it. They have, uh, time and time again. I don't have faith in them. Because they have done things to, uh, they, they have done things to challenge my faith. They fumbled shit over and over and over again. They've driven things down my throat telling me you have to like this. Things that don't make sense. Things that should be hot and are not. They've done it enough times for me to have no faith. So I don't have any faith. I don't. I don't. They've exhausted their goodwill with me. So no, I'm not doing a one-to-one -one comparison because that's not where I stand. And anyone who watches this objectively can only be in the same path as well. And it, you, oh, but what if it, no. You just can't. 
This was a bad decision. As they said, this isn't a Hollywood movie. There isn't always a happy ending. And yet, WWE keeps telling us we tell stories. We do TV. We don't do, we do sports entertainment, not just pro wrestling. We do movies, pal, right? And yet, they have no idea how to construct a story. No idea. So, in retrospect, uh, WrestleMania 39, night one, unforgettable stuff. Night two, completely passable. I don't think it was, I don't think it's as dismal as everyone makes it out to be. Is it going to be one of the top five WrestleManias? I, I, I think night one is, I think night one is overall one of the uh, most compelling nights of pro wrestling that WWE has put on. Yes, absolutely. Night two, I think you can completely skip it. I think you you go out of your way to watch uh, the IC match, absolutely. But the rest is complete. And if you want to see, you know, one of the greatest blunders you'll see, one of the biggest ball fumbles. And you you know, here's the thing: is that I already know what the WWE faithful are gonna are gonna say when Cody does eventually win the belt. They're gonna see it happened. Doesn't that feel special? No, it it'll probably be special but not as special as what they did for WrestleMania 39. It'll be a good night, but not as good as. But that's, go ahead, settle for, you know, settle for, settle for, for leftovers, settle for scraps. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to bury NXT... NXT stand and deliver, uh, which happened on uh, on April first, twenty twenty three. I was double double watching this alongside um, Effie's big gay brunch, and I was so mad at this show. This was God. This show stinks. Look, it was not as bad as as the last Halloween Havoc, which is. One of the worst, one of the worst wrestling shows I have ever seen put on by a major league promotion. That this is not far behind. Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California hosted this thing that opened up with a, uh, with a pre-show where Chase U and Tyler Bate... And took on uh, the schism... The Rock's daughter. Let's just get it out of the way. As she's she's on the track for being another legendary wrestler's child who just doesn't have it. She's on track. I'm not saying that she won't improve, but out the gate, it's not unlike David Flair and Ric Flair. Ric Flair, one of the most fucking charismatic men of all time to ever do the thing. David Flair, a, an absolute uh, can of tuna. And this is the same thing. How do these children not even closely inherit some of their parents' most beloved traits? How does this happen? But that's not even what I want to talk about. That's not even what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Tyler Bate. Wrestling prodigy Tyler Bate in his 20s, his early 20s winning the NXT UK 
championship. They're building the brand around him and Pete Dunne. A guy that everyone sees wrestle and is like, this is a superstar in the making. This is a guy who's going to redefine the business. And he's still in his 20s and he is a footnote. He is nothing. He is a guy who came over when the NXT UK ship collapsed. Came over to put over Braun Breaker. This is a guy, this is, this is a guy who is losing everything that he had built, who is being, it's not even underused. He's being wasted. And I'd be goddamned if he doesn't realize it. I can't, I absolutely cannot get behind the idea that this kid doesn't realize that he is being, that he is wasting away. And they're putting him on the fucking pre-show in a match about owning a school. Who fucking cares? What is this? The grizzled young veterans figured it out. Zach Gibson and James Drake, they fucked off. They asked for their release and was granted they're gone. Good for them. Let's use this parallel. Zach Gibson brought into this company again under the NXT UK uh, brand, brought in as a heel with built-in heat. This was a guy who was running the independent circuit in the UK that everyone despised. He had his own chance that people had developed that hate him. They had the whole thing, the shoes off thing. And he comes in, does the thing, makes it to the finals on the second UK tournament, right? Makes it to the finals. Then he gets, then into a, and he's a great fucking promo and a guy who can go. And he's a great tag team wrestler with James Drake. Bring him over to NXT. No, we're going to fix that. Here, wear some checkered suits and then shave your beards and put on some weird contact lenses and then just like act weird. What the fuck, man? But they figured it out. At least they, these guys figured it out. They're like, this shit stinks. Vince is back. We're going to take our chances doing our own thing. Good for them. Or look, maybe they're just going to hang it up too. Because you know what? My passion for wrestling would be sucked out of my body as well. If I were done, if they did to them, to me. I'd be like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. This, this shit stinks. Wrestling stinks. I wouldn't blame them. I hope they don't. Because they're they still have more to offer. And when we talk about underrated, underappreciated, under Zach Gibson is absolutely an underrated talent. We, people throw underrated around so much where it's like, oh, you know, Dolph Ziggler's underrated. No, 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 no. This is the definition of what an underrated wrestler is. A guy who is extremely good but has never put in positions 
to shine so people don't realize how good he is. They just don't. That's what underrated is. Not just underappreciated, not underused. Underrated is Zach Gibson. So I'm excited for the future for him. Him and J James Drake, don't get me wrong. But they figured it out. They hit the bricks. Tyler Bate. Who cares? Fucking dismal pre-show to start this bullshit. Thankfully, things picked up a little bit with the opening match. Women's title six-way ladder match. Let's just call it a scramble. Indy Hartwell defeated Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, Lyra Valkyria. God, that rolls off the tongue. Tiffany Stratton and Zoe Stark. First of all, Tiffany Stratton ate nothing but shit in this match. She had two bumps in this match where no one caught her, no one looked after her. We all, and she, especially the one where she dove, she did a tope con heel up to the, to the floor. Everyone was there. And everyone sort of split like the fucking Red Sea so that she landed flat on her back. She ate shit in that match. Everyone in that match owes her a receipt. I'm not, there's nothing in this match that I'm going to remember. Look, I like Indy Hardwell. I really do. I really do. I like her. It's her turn. That's how it works. It's her turn. Now that, uh, you know, the Brock Lesnar for the NXT women is gone, uh, uh, Mandy Rose, now that she's gone, you know, everyone gets a turn now. It's Indy's turn. And I like Indy Hartwell. I think she was an underappreciated member of the, uh, of the women's division. And when they all did the 2.0 thing, she was tossed aside so completely dramatically. I was like, this is, this is just wrong. This is just unfair. Yeah, maybe not the most seasoned talent they have. Because you have Zoe Stark in this in this division. Who fucking rules? Zoe Stark is my kind of wrestler. She is amazing. But you, nonetheless, you've got women who jumped who jumped the line here. As opposed to Indy, where I was like, I don't understand. I like Indy. I think it's fine. Dexter Loomis showed up to help. I mean, the, the finish is corny as hell. What are you going to do? I mean, this is uh, Shawn Michaels. This is heartbreak booking. He's, you know, lifting. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. It doesn't, like, the thing is, is that it doesn't matter. The two things, Zoe Stark fucking rules. Zoe Stark fucking rules. And she will always be uh, put in this position where she will always be a bridesmaid, but never the bride. Because she doesn't have that look that all these other women have on the roster because she looks like a fucking fighter. She looks like someone that I'm like, yeah, she can kick, she can kick my ass. And, you know, she doesn't do comedy. She doesn't do the, you know, the fake porno skits. She does, uh, she does, the, she does wrestling. They don't want wrestling. I really like Zoe, Zoe Stark and it bums me the fuck out. Not that I like her, but that, you know. JC Jane got involved in this. JC Jane, here's another one. Here, when I tell you they don't know how to heat people up, JC Jane had that 
fire angle where she kicked Gigi Dolan's head through a door for God's sake. And they can't keep her hot. What are we doing? This is like one-on-one bullshit here. She should have been in the match. She should have been... And this is a woman who has legitimately improved. They do a Gargano family reunion thing later with Johnny and Candice. Where's Austin theory? None of this matters. But you know what? Here's the thing. The work was fine. Uh, You know... I, I'm, I'm sick of ladder matches so there's a there's a there's a lot of components in this match where I'm like I'm, I'm so sick of a lot of what's going on here I didn't like the finish I think it was corny uh but the work was fine you know it, it was all right and I don't understand the I don't understand the um Roxanne Perez angle I don't I don't understand it she she, she was injured she had her she passed out after uh she uh, she passed out in the uh, after be- getting beaten up by M- Miko Satomura. And between you and I, who wouldn't pass out after getting beaten up by Miko Satomura, right? So she gets beaten up, then she disappears, and then her title is vacated. But then she comes back and she cuts that that sensational Emmy award winning uh, uh, segment with HBK, right? That just Mm, mm, they, mm, we do we do movies, pal. Right? My God. And 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 then she, he's like, "Yeah, you 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 can defend your title." Like she had anxiety. Look, I have I don't have a problem if Roxanne if Roxanne has I don't know if, if this is a shoot or not. If she's living with with anxiety, that's rough as hell, man. Trust me. And and if she wants to bring some awareness to it i'm okay with that as well you know but it's not it's not the content it's how the content was delivered that made it corny and stupid and i don't understand i've already talked too much about this match nxt tag team title triple threat tag team match the gallus boys defeated the creed brothers and uh, channing multi-stacks 10 dimes lorenzo and tony d'angelo and this was uh, this was dismal. This was bad. This was bad, 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 bad. It's a triple threat, right? No disqualifications, right? But everyone's tagging in. I don't know. Just fucking do. Call it a tornado match. Let's stop this shit. And then commentary goes, the referee is losing control of the match. Who cares? Who, who cares? There's, uh, the referee doesn't have to have control of the match. Who cares? The creeds rule when they start when they stop started dropping people on their heads. I was happy, but then they blow a tower of doom type of spot, and then Joe Coffey shows up to uh, get the win for the Gallus boys, like right in front of the ref because it's a no disqualification. I like none of this makes sense, but these. Triple threat or these three-way matches where the no DQ rule is immediately implied is it renders tagging in and out stupid and it makes me mad. <laughs> and this is, goes for AEW as well. 
Every time I see this, I'm like, why are, why are you tagging in and out? Who cares? Who's the legal man? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. The referee is there to count a pinfall or to check for a submission. It doesn't. None of this matters. Am I bleeding from? Yeah, some weird shit on my. No, sorry. <laughs> a little peek into my brain here right now. NXT North American title. Fatal five-way match. Another scramble. Wes Lee defeated Axiom and Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough and the debuting Dragon Lee. Nothing says international superstar, big-time signee Dragon Lee like having him lose his debut match. Um... This is another match that a lot of people went ham on. I thought it was fine. I think it is overrated, personally. It's a good spot match. Uh, Ilya Dragunov carried this match, in my opinion. Um, you know, and Dragon Lee did some things, but look, I am a WWE watcher I don't you know I'm one of those who screams for video packages when wrestlers I don't know appear on my TV screen right I'm one of those and I see the hype pack I see the opposite happens here I see uh Dragon Lee getting the vignettes I see Dragon Lee getting uh the the hype packages and then he hits the ring and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him and I'm like What's so special about this guy? I don't get it. I don't understand. What is so special about this guy? You're not wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not, you're not wrong to think that. You look at this and it's like, okay, I don't understand what the big deal is with this guy. There's guys in this match that outperform them. Ilya Dragunov rules, but Ilya, Ilya Dragunov rules all the time. I don't know what to tell you. You have some extremely solid pro wrestlers in here. I mean, there's some dopey spots in here with Wes Lee doing a Phoenix Splash on everyone that's piled up on each other for some reason. I don't know. But the work is good and the spots are fun. You know, on Cage Match, it's a it's an 8.86. I'm like, no, what? 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 What am I missing here? What is the magic that I'm not seeing in this match? It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was a lot of fun. But there's a lot of give and take here. There's a lot of stuff that wasn't that great. There's a lot of stuff that was unspectacular. Dragunov hits an excellent, excellent superplex. Wesley wins. He retains. What a way to debut your international superstar, right? That's how they were calling him, right? International superstar Dragon Lee. He's immediately just another guy on the roster. Now, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, before we started uh, the podcasting about itself, um, you know, he's wrestling Nathan Frazier tonight on NXT. It's probably done at this point. I assume it was very good. Like, I'm going to watch it. 
But I guess, I guess Dragon Lee, he's got, he's got to pay his dues, right? He's got to, he's got to work his way up in the business. He's got to, he's got to pay his dues. It, it was fine. It was fun. Spots. It, it did what it had to do. It's fine. But it, there might, look, there might be a lot of this that is a me problem because I've been watching scrambles all weekend at this fucking point. And, you know, multi-person matches. I saw a couple of them here. I You know, ladder matches. I know there was no ladder here, but, you know, like, at some point, you do get oversaturated with this shit, and you're like, can I just have a one-on-one -on -one match? Maybe this is one of the reasons why I enjoy Johnny Gargano uh, and Grayson Waller so much. Because it was a one-on-one -on -one match, finally, on this fucking show, that I could sink my teeth into, and you know what? It ruled. Match of the night, I enjoyed this. Match of the show, nothing else even comes close. Nothing else comes close to how great this match was. Unsanctioned match, Gargano defeated uh, de defeated Waller. Love the spot where Waller sets up some chairs on the floor and Jar Johnny Gargano suplexes him off the apron onto the chairs. Waller pummels Gargano into a, after a rolling center. The Candace stuff, I thought the Candace stuff was gonna bother me. When Candace was ringside with the baby, I was like, oh shit. Because I, I, you know, we got all the recap right and the home invasion and all the bullshit, right? That's fine. So I know why Candace was there. I know why. But gave her the kendo stick and they were like, and Grayson Waller probably told her, yeah, just wail on me, Candace. And Candace, Candace is hardcore. She was fantastic. It was fantastic. She hands the baby off to a perfect stranger and she grabs the kendo stick and she starts fucking wailing on Grayson Waller after Johnny Gargano was wailing on him. This was great, just great stuff. This was violent. It was, it, it was violent, it felt, like a, it felt like a grudge match, it felt like a blood feud. Grayson Waller ruled. I, look, this is the third pay-per-view in a row, I believe, where I'm putting over Grayson Waller. He was fantastic in the deadline match. Stand out. His psychology was on point. He did his goddamn best with, you know, the, the, with the, the stiff known as Braun Breaker in their fucking cage match. He did his goddamn best. And here, outstanding work. There was monologues. There was, you know, there's a bit of dopey stuff in here as well. But I loved it. I thought it was great. It was supposed to be violent. And it wasn't pretend violence you know and no one looking down at their hands going oh, can I do this you know it's like I love it I think Grayson Waller is a fantastic heel I think he's great look I don't watch the show week for week you know I know there's a lot of people who can't stand him I see it in the chat even right now it's like people don't see it but every time I see him on pay-per-view I'm like this guy's a standout this guy's an absolute standout Big fish and small pond? Maybe. The pond is, you know, it's not even filled with fish sometimes. Sometimes it's just fucking mollusks. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn defeated Fallon Henley and Kiana James to win the NXT Women's Tag Team title match. This was another bad, this is bad. Went on too long and it was under 10 minutes. The heels win with a swanton backbreaker, but look, Kaylee Ray is arguably Alba Fire is ar arguably the 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 best 
uh, all-around wrestler that they have in the women's division in NXT, and she is a she is a uh, she's a wizard. This is, she's a, a warlock, a witch, whatever the fuck, a sorceress, whatever it is they're doing with her, and putting her in these dismal matches. If I'm Kaylee Ray and I'm seeing my boys, the grizzled young veterans who came up with her at the same time on the on the UK uh, uh, side of things, I'm packing my bags too. I'm asking for my release too. This is awful. And then NXT title match, finally Carmelo Hayes wins the big one, wins the NXT title from Braun Breaker. I thought this was fine. I don't think it was anything special. Um, you know, the, you know, I got annoyed early on because um, um, Carmelo Hayes flubs a, a springboard move, and then he do it again just so just so Braun Breaker can no sell it, right? I'm like, oh, come on, guys. I know you're told stick to the script, but this is so fucking annoying. Like. Pros would have tried something else, would have done anything else, but he, they do it again. Lots of arm holds, back body drop by breaker. Trick Williams gets expelled after helping Carmelo Hayes up out of a backbreaker. Topicon Hilo by uh, Braun Breaker. Run up Frankenstein as well. Um, we get a spear and a ref bump, Steiner recliner. Uh, Carmelo Hayes taps, but the ref is dead. So Trick Williams interferes, belt shot, cover, kick out. I, I, I there's no energy to any of this because I, you know, Carmelo Hayes, Hayes hits the nothing but net for the win. Look, um, we've been talking about this every time that I review an NXT uh, PLE. Uh, it's been, we've been long overdue to end the Braun Breaker experiment. He, it did not work. I believe that Braun Breaker came up at a perfect time for him to get over like he did. Pandemic, everyone's bored. Everyone wants wrestling to be, to, to rekindle that energy that you get when you have live crowds. And, you know, we all know it's missing deep inside as subconsciously as it is or not. But, you know, we're all trying to make sense. We see Braun Breaker coming out in his colors and looking like Rick and doing... People are like, oh, this is so cool. And, and I think he was a victim of uh, being overhyped by Twitter, by people online going, this guy rules. And then, you know, WWE, the brain trust who keep telling us that they don't listen to the nerds online. They don't listen to... Uh, they don't listen to Twitter. They don't pay attention. Well, they were paying attention here because they gave him a push, but too big of a push. And they tried to make him into something. They try. It's not as if they were like, we're going to push him and we'll see what happens. No, it's like, we're going to push him and we're going to make him into a thing because they had him beat main roster guys. They had him beat darlings of the NXT UK scene. Guys who are so much more experienced than him, like Tyler Bate, like Ilya Dragunov, like JD McDonough. And... Nothing, nothing stuck to this guy. No connection to the audience. Uh, no, no reactions outside of, <clears throat> no excitement outside of him being a Steiner. 
Once that all died down, when people realized that, hey, you know what? Maybe this kid is a bag of goods right now. Maybe he's not ready for this spot. They should have pulled the plug. But no, it's like, no, you're going to, this is our guy. This is our guy. This is the plan. This is the plan. So we dragged it out to fucking WrestleMania weekend to put it on a guy who has some charisma, who has some, some, some ability to back up what he's doing, who is a veteran as well. Good for him. But, I mean, uh, you know, th this was shit. And I agree, like, the Gacy feud was horrible. But this guy was, this, every main event on PLE that I've seen with this guy involved has been a snooze. Has been such a, such a bog standard regular match. Or in the case of the, 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 the previous PLE, the Valentine's Day thing. That was bad. That was outright bad. Um, there's there's nothing here. There's nothing. And people are like, oh, he's going to get called up. He's going to get... This guy's going to get eaten alive on main roster. What are we talking about? The main roster audience is going to reject this guy. If he can't get over in the warehouse, how do we expect him to get over in a basketball arena? What the fuck are we doing here? No, no, no. <clears throat> Best of luck to him. But he he needs some time away. He needs to move on. Uh, not move on to other things, but he needs to move on to another place on the card. Um, he, but he he needs to... I think he absolutely needs some time off. The most dominant champion in... The, oh, Jesus Christ, right? And when you look back at the litany of truly great former NXT champions, right? And they're trying to give us the hard sell on Braun being the most dominant. It's sad, man, is what it is. Dismal show. This was bad. It was this. <laughs> NXT. NXT is in a, is in a terrible place right now. And um, Sean can't do it. Sean... Sean it, Sean's vision of pro wrestling is the pits. Sean Michaels, of course, it's the pits. And I and I know. Look, you're these kids in the PC. Maybe not all of them, right? Because the kids they're bringing in from the NIL, they don't give. You know, they didn't grow up watching Sean Michaels do awesome shit on WWE television. They're like, oh, okay, oh, okay, this guy's a legend. Okay, you know, kind of thing. You know, I'm pretty sure Sol Ruka had no idea, or at least, you know, I'd heard of him, but didn't know. But you know that there are guys like Braun Breaker who are starry-eyed. They're like, Jesus Christ, I'm being trained by one of the all-time greats. Let's not get things mixed up here. Shawn Michaels is still one of the all-time greats. But his vision of wrestling stinks. And he's got these starry-eyed kids who are like, oh, well... Eh. Don't watch the show. <laughs> or do. I Like, there's nothing I cannot... Like, there's nothing I recommend. Like, I, I, I really, really liked the unsanctioned match. But I, I, I can, in good faith, say go out of your way to watch it. It, it. You know. I really, really liked it, but it's not something that I'm going to be like, yeah, I highly recommend it. <coughs> be other things to recommend.
very shortly as we dive into Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. I think we're gonna wrap we're gonna wrap up the show talking about this. What a show. Now this is a pro wrestling show. The this was the best show I watched the entire weekend from top to bottom. Um I just I there's nothing about the show I didn't like. Even with some bold booking decisions here as well. All timer. This is a it's a conversation for pay-per-view of the year. Let's start talking about it. Pre-show, zero hour. Jeff Cobb defeated Tracy Williams. Fine match. It's all right. Kenneth get to catch it. Defeated Willie Mack. Enjoyed it. You know these matches didn't overstay their welcome. They were fine. We've had better pre-show offerings from the Ring of Honor and the All Elite Wrestling. This wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of these pre-shows where you're like, you yeah, have to watch everything and he's like, oh, geez, everything is so great. No. Takeshita and Willie Mack was fine. I enjoyed it. It was fun and a good showing by Willie Mack. Good clash of styles. When you think that we were supposed to get, because it was leaked out, of course, Takeshita versus Will Ospreay before Ospreay got injured. Ah! Ah! It kind of, oh! It kind of, oh! Yeah. So Willie Mack gets the call. I mean, he's not Will Ospreay, but this was fun. Will Nightingale defeated Miranda Alizé. I feel like Miranda Alizé can be better than what she put on. I, I, I've i seen her be better. That's fine. And Stu Grayson defeated Slim J. Only for the big surprise to have Dutch and Vincent. What do they call themselves? I forget. Not the kingdom, not the inscrutables. <laughs> That's the name of my stable. The inscrutables. Vincent and Dutch. Uh, fuck. I can't remember what they're called. I can't remember what they're called. Anyway. Death before dishonor. That's not it. Uh, but they, they they showed up to the the original spooky guys, the original spooks came out to take to confront the the new spooks, the Dark Order, Super Smash Bros. Uh, look, you can have whatever opinions you want on the Dark Order. Super Smash Bros. are are a fucking great tag team, underrated. I don't think a lot of people realize. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how fantastic of a tag team they are. Maybe this Ring of Honor environment is going to be able to, to handle it. But uh, clearly we've got a little Ring of Honor feud here going with Vincent and Dutch and, uh, and the evil Uno and the Stu Grayson. The righteous! Thank you, chat. But then, on top of it all, during the Zero Hour show, the main event was the appearance, the arrival of Ring of Honor legend Nigel McGuinness, who joined commentary for the entirety of the Supercard, and that was awesome. I am really glad 
that Nigel is there. What an absolute fumble from the company known as World Wrestling Entertainment to be like, yeah, um, fucking, um, uh, uh, I got some bad, bad news, Barrett, right? He's the guy we want on commentary, not actual wrestling connoisseur Nigel McGuinness, who has great delivery, who is a fantastic commentator, a great, great color guy. Fantastic stuff. Now, what I do have to... <laughs> Kevin Patrick. Now, um, what I do... The bit of criticism I would give here is that <clears throat> um, Ian and Caprice are such a well-oiled machine. And I mean, they're like... They're a couple, you know, they're just, you know, they're finishing each other's sentences kind of thing. The only criticism I would have here is that he felt out of place in this well-oiled Riccoboni cap uh, Caprice machine. And Ian did his best to have him find his, his footing in, in, in their duo because Ian's a goddamn pro. Um, I don't know what the long-term plan is. I have never been a big fan of uh, three-man tables, commentary tables. I always think there's one guy who brings absolutely nothing to the table. Oh, by the way, Booker T, I did not mention, but I'm sorry, like this is coming in late. This is coming in late, but I did not mention how much of a detriment Booker T is to the enjoyment of a pro wrestling show when he is on commentary. He is terrible. That he adds nothing and he takes away from the show. He is terrible. Anyway, back to back to Nigel. So I mean, eventually, I don't know, like again, I don't know what the plan is. But, you know, this I think is, you know, I don't think it's a big deal and it's such that I feel it's solvable. But, it, you know, it will take some time if they want to continue working a three-man table. It's going to take some work. It's going to take a little while. They can make it happen. But it's, you know, as it, it felt a little... It felt a little clunky at times throughout the night. That being said, I much prefer having Nigel in pro wrestling in some format than not. You know, I'm, I hear he's a fantastic magician. But I've never seen any of his magic. I've seen him wrestle and he's a fantastic pro wrestler. Injuries and whatnot. Pretty sure that, that you know, that ship has sailed. But I'm excited. I, I'm... I, I'm excited at the prospect of Nigel McGuinness being back in, in Ring of Honor. And clearly he was too, because he vague tweeted about it um, two weeks ago or 10 days ago before WrestleMania week. And, you know, that he had got the haircut and all that. And it was like, big things. I'm excited. And I was like, oh, he's going to be back in the NXT Europe thing. But nope. Good for him. Good call by Tony Khan on this one here. All right, let's get to the main card. Uh, started off with El Hijo del Vikingo, Vikingo, El Hijo del Vikingo, 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 El Hijo del Vikingo. Defeated Commander. Uh, apparently, look, I, it's not Commander. You, 
You led us astray, Excalibur. Apparently, it is Commander. You, Excalibur, you, you made us all feel like a moron when you made us realize that his that it's not Takeshita, it's not Konosuke Takeshita. It is Kanesuke Takeshita, and we all felt like morons. We all felt like a bunch of bozos. Well, now who's the bozo now, Excalibur? It is not Commander. It is Commander. Who's laughing now? Look, this was as phenomenal as expected and then some. And I like this match more. I look, I saw all of um I saw all of it's not both Commander. I saw all of Vikingos Vikingos matches uh over WrestleMania weekend, including uh the match he had with Osprey on Dynamite. This is my favorite match. I'm gonna throw the Osprey match in here. I like this better. I thought, and I liked it better than, I liked it better than his match with uh, 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 Speedball, which was great, by the way. Like, not great matches, but at the same time, you're like, Christ. You know, in the Speedball match, you know, he flubbed a couple of springboard things, but then I'm like, well, is it the GCW ropes, which is possible? Or is it him that he's just being, you know, he's just exhausted because he wrestled three times in that night, which is also could be about, you know. Um, so, uh, 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 um, Omega, oh, Jesus. You know what I was saying. His match with Omega. Did I say Osprey? His match with Omega on Wednesday. Uh, his match with Commander and Black Taurus also from the Mark uh, Hitchcock show was very good. But this, this was special. This really was special. And then some, um, this ruled and ruled and ruled from the rope walk destroyer by Vikingo to the rope walk shooting star press by uh, Commander. Just extraordinary and smooth. And people who look at this and say, oh, it's just spots. They don't, they don't, they're not seeing the level of athlete that Vikingo is. How smooth and athletic both of these guys are actually. But if we're honing in on, on Vikingo because he's the standout, he's the star, he's the superstar. These are the fellas that are that are promoting the elevation of Lucha Libre in North America now, right? Uh, and I've seen and I've heard comparisons to what these two guys are doing, Vikingo and, and, and Commander. I've seen comparisons to Rey Mysterio and Psychosis when they were traveling... Uh, you know, traveling the world, doing their matches and ending up on, on WCW on Nitro, having their excellent matches together. What we're witnessing here is the foundations for the next great generation of luchadors. These are the people, right now there are people watching this who are the same people who were watching Rain Psychosis in the 90s who are like, this is what I want to do. You know, raise, raise a, 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 a you know, I, I listened to Ray's acceptance speech from the Hall of Fame. We're not talking about that, by the way. Um, but I, you know, just as a point here, I did watch, I watched it. I, I just don't think it's interesting. But, you know, he mentioned, you know, thank you, WWE, for giving me the opportunities to, you know, to be something I'm not or whatever. And I'm like, this is all fine and good. But Ray Mysterio came into his own by being a discovery in Nitro on WCW, on, on ECW, 
this is a guy who was discovered and was brought in because cruiserweights, because a different style and so on and so forth. This is a guy that he stood apart from every other luchador that was on the show, on Nitro, in the, on ECW shows. Just stood apart because of how athletic he was, how he was doing the lucha shit in a way that no other lucha libre guy was doing. And he was working with Psychosis at the time, who was a guy who was extremely talented, could keep up with Ray, and could shine as well. He was just, Psychosis is just as responsible for Ray Mysterio as Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. And this is what we're seeing here. So you see, you see Ray develop. When you saw Rey Mysterio bring Lucha Libre to prominence in the minds of North American wrestling fans, and Mexico's in North America, that's in, um, in American fans, Canadian fans, who weren't exposed, used to the style. Like, this, kid's, this kid is spectacular. He brought something else that, you know, no one else could. That no one else could. Not even Eddie. As good as Eddie was. Rey is a, he's... Ray and Eddie, two legendary talents for entirely different styles, reasons. And this is what we're getting here. This, this to me, is what Psychosis and Mysterio are. Uh, excuse me. This is what Commander and Vikingo are. It's the same thing. Vikingo is the guy who is destined to be the next big Lucha Libre breakout in the United States. He's this is this is his path. He's too good. He's going to transcend any of the Mexican promotions that he's working in. He's not going to be just an exclusive thing. He's going to work out of there. He is going to become a star. He's going to influence generations of kids moving forward. There are going to be people who are going to be watching this tape. You're going to be like, I'm going to try and do this when I grow up. They're going to hit the gym and they're going to be like, this is what I'm going to try and do. And we're going to get someone, the next guy who's going to come out is going to say, you know, I grew up watching Vikingo and Commander matches. This is what, this is what influenced me. So, I, I have no time. Like, we, and I agree with the chat. I have no time for people. I'm saying, it's just spots. It's just, they're not seeing what we're, they're not seeing which is plain in their view. Because there's no story, because there's no build, because where's the packages? We're, we're, we're in the cusp of watching something special, something truly generational in the pure sense of the word. In the meantime, people sitting around wondering, you know, saying he sh you know, he's Mexican, he shouldn't be wearing Viking gear. You know, yeah, because yeah, that, that that that's a crucial part of this discourse, right? This is this is this is crucial. This is something we have to be talking about, right? Anyway, this match this match absolutely ruled. I mean, what a way to start the show. And and here's the thing: it's like after that, I'm like, well, it's all downhill from here. But no, the next match we got was the uh, the trios match, the six man tag team match, where the embassy retained their titles against A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. Look, I. Raise your hands if you thought that the makeshift team of Blake Christian, Metalik, and AR Fox were going to were going to were going to score the pin, score the win here. 
Raise your hand. Come on now. Good little match they had going here. AR Fox was the standout. He's just hitting cutters all over. He's fighting off the embassy all by himself. Blake Christian lands a Fosbury flop. All comes to an end with the drill claw. Drill, drill claw by Brian Cage. Guess his contract ain't up yet. I don't think there is... I don't think there is an other mid-card wrestler out there wrestling right now whose contract situation is such a point of discussion by wrestling fans than Brian Cage's. I, I, for a guy who is firmly on the mid-card and who, you know, has a fair amount of detractors and people who don't like him, his contract is the talk of the town all the time. I don't get it. <clears throat> I think people online care more about Brian Cage's contract than Brian Cage. I would even take it a step forward. I think people online care more about Brian Cage's contract than Tony Khan does. What gotcha? There's no gotcha here. It's Brian Cage. What's the gotcha? He's perfect in what he does. I've seen Brian Cage wrestle live. And for real, the Brian Cage experience, which should be the name of my next band, the Brian Cage experience live... It makes everything Brian Cage make sense. A man his size doing things that he's doing right in front of you. Like legitimately, you know, you can you can see. It makes no sense. And that's what makes him fantastic. Like, there's something that doesn't translate as well on TV. Probably because everyone looks big and so on. But when you see this, when you see this cat live, you get it. You're like, holy shit. Holy shit. This guy's he, he, phenomenal. It, he, he does things that a guy his size shouldn't be able to do. Anyway, I, you know, fun little match and uh, kept the crowd energy going, right? And I'm like, poor, you know, these guys, this is going to stink. But it didn't stink. You know, I, you know what? Here's another thing I forgot to mention about WrestleMania. WrestleMania's biggest flaw, its biggest and most terrible flaw, is that it's so poorly paced. It is a horrendously paced match, uh, show, horrendously paced. Um, you could watch the entirety, the, you know, the four hours of WrestleMania, if you just stuck to the matches, you're done in two hours. This, the, WrestleMania is paced so god-awfully horrible. And especially night two. Before the main event with all the fucking nonsense with the, you know, the, the hard lemonade. Whatever the fuck. There's so much bullshit. Supercard of Honor. And I tweeted it. I said, this is what I like. A wrestling card that has no nonsense on it. You're here to watch some wrestling. I'm giving you wrestling. No bullshit. No nonsense. I loved it. Ring of Honor women's world title match. Athena successfully retained her title against Yuka Sakazaki. I see a lot of people that were down on this match and I don't know why. I really liked it. 
But at the same time, Haas Athena rules. And here's another woman who probably because of the WWE style and what they want their women to do and so on and so forth, probably was, you know, oh, you have to do the aerial moves. You have to do a tornado DDT. You have to jump off the ropes. You have to do all sorts of bullshit. And then Athena starts being aggressive. Then she starts throwing forearms, throwing elbows, kicking people, and and all of it makes sense. Then Athena becomes a package where you're like, this all rocks. It sticks to the fundamentals that she is so good at. And I like this pairing here because it was a contrast of, of offense, which is weird at the same time because Yuka in TJPW when, when she's in North America, she's all smiles, the magical girl, and doing ay 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 no, 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 no. which is which is cool. Don't get me wrong, but in TJPW, she's darker, she's violent, like she's done being all smiley faces. She doesn't smile. She goes in there and she beats people up. That's her thing. But here she does the other, you know, the baby face gimmick, and all right, that's fine, that's fine. My point being is that Yuka here could have gone much more strong style. We could have had a King's Road style women's match here. But Yuka stuck to the aerial offense, you know, the, you know, power bombs and Liger bombs and uh, all of that. And no, I, sorry, Athena was doing the power bombs and the Liger bombs. But, uh, 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 um, you know, everything worked. I thought this was solid. Did it tear the house down? No. Was it a bad match? Hell no. I enjoyed it. I thought this was a good, I thought this was a good match. Athena does a, she does a springboard stunner. I'm not going to lie. Has she stopped doing the eclipse or whatever the fuck she was calling it at the end? Because she didn't do the top rope gimmick with the, you know, with the spinning stunner, basically. She really just did like a springboard from one rope to the other stunner. Is that her new thing? Good stuff anyway. Ring of Honor World Television title match. Samoa Joe, our champion, successfully, to the shock of millions, successfully retained the title, defeating Mark Briscoe by referee's decision. Mark Briscoe slept, fell asleep. I thought this was a super match. I thought this was great. Mark had... Full babyface energy going into this. And Joe was ready to fuck him up. And what more do you want? You want a, a likable, high energy, wild man like Mark Briscoe who's, who just went through personal tragedy and you're invested in this and you're like, come on, man. Come on, let's do this. And Joe was like, nah, man, I am raining on this parade. And, he's, and Mark is trying to get this done early. Early froggy bow attempt. Joe beats him up. Does the running elbow corner. The, the running elbow in the corner and the corner in Zagiri. Uh, Mark Briscoe lands a blockbuster off the apron, which was cool. He lands, later on, the, he lands the froggy bow. Uh, but Joe locks him into a sleeper. Briscoe tries to fight out. But Joe lands a sleeper suplex. And then locks in the Kikina clutch or whatever it is called it now. For the win to the shock of millions bold booking decision 
I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you more thoughts at the main event. Are we cool with that? Outside of to wrap this one up, I love this match. I thought it was spot on. Samoa Joe is cooler than every. He is. Look, Samoa Joe is the coolest motherfucker. There's only one way to describe him, and that's it. Hey, Sean Taggart, member of the Mr. Warren Hay Show channel. Good to see you. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Daniel Garcia. Yeah, a perfectly fine match. What, what more do you want? It's all right. Look, um, you know, I, you know, the, the commentary around this match, you know, the people, the podcasts I've listened to are all, you know, right. And it's something that you've observed if you, you know, watching uh, 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 New Japan, like it, his body's catching up with him. It eventually has to. And it is. We, I, I think this, you know, but it's still Tanahashi. It's still Hiroshi Tanahashi, one of the greatest to ever do it, coming out, commanding the room, even though he's missing all of his fucking front teeth. And you have Daniel Garcia, who's having the time of his life in the ring, wrestling a fucking legend of the sport. He even does Nakamura spots. I, I mean, this, is, this was great. Fun little match. And it was fine, and it continues, you know, continues this 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 history of you know ring of honor working with japanese promotions which you know it all it all ties into this understanding that tony khan has about ring of honor where it's not just it cannot just be another or as people some people like to call it it cannot just be uh 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 uh, uh aw black and red it has to be something more special because ring of honor is Special. So Tony understands these things. These partnerships are important. These matches are important. Yeah. Again, another, this, this show is so perfectly paced. You know, you get a great match, like the TV title match, and you don't want to lean into something too crazy just yet, so you have a nice little cool-down match, but it doesn't feel like a cool-down match. You're still like, this, is, this is great. I'm having a great time. Daniel Garcia is having a great time. Everyone's having a great time. Does not stay. It's welcome. Perfect. And again, I'm. This, this is my agenda. This is, you know, you know, I keep hearing about how podcasters all have agendas. Here's mine. That. Anyone who says that Daniel Garcia doesn't have a personality anymore is, is banned. Banned. It's someone that you should not listen to. It's someone that you should not trust. It's someone that does not watch the product. Uh, Dan Garcia has... This is, here's a guy who has worked with Chris Jericho for the better part of over a year at this point. And he has absorbed everything Chris Jericho has told him about being a superstar about being a guy who commands the room and character work in ring. He has absorbed everything and he is putting it in into application. He is just phenomenal. So anyone who just says, well, Dan Garcia is just a guy in trunks and boots is not watching the show. Has no idea what they're talking about and is not worthy of your trust. Who is worthy of your trust? The best D-list podcaster out there.
Ring of Honor World Tag Team title reach for the sky ladder match. A scramble. Let's call it what it is. The Lucha Brothers defeated Top Flight, The Kingdom, Aussie Open, Drealistico, and Roosh. I'm not forgetting anyone, am I? Nope. To become the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions of the Lucha Bros. Uh, vacated by Mark Briscoe. Uh, retired the old design in honor of Jay. I thought that's... See, that, that's the kind of shit I can get into. I like that. Makes it feel meaningful. Makes the titles extra special. Um, look, this match had all the components of everything I hate. <laughs> I enjoyed this match to a degree. And again, I, this could be a me thing. Just like I... I've, this has been the theme the entire night. I've seen, I've watched so many, uh, uh, so many scrambles this weekend. I couldn't take it anymore. And this was just Friday and I was already done. Um, ladder match, multi-man um, match for a title. Everything is in position here for Warren, Warren Hayes to bury it. And I enjoy, but I enjoyed this match to a degree. And I can, I completely understand people who, who lost their minds over this match. I'm like, this is great. It's a spot fest. That's what it's for. That's what we got. And I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy, look, most wrestlers in this match. I, I'm, I'm telling y'all, there's going to be a day where you're all going to be like, Warren was right about Roosh, but we're not, we're not, clearly no one is ready to have that conversation for me, with me just yet. But look, I'm beside the point. I enjoyed the match right up until, right up until Aussie Open hit the Coriolis, right? Everything connected. I think, you know, it made sense. And I thought the, the I thought, I thought the stuff with the kingdom was particularly solid. And to a degree where I was like, uh, strap up these guys. Strap up these guys, you know? Um, but um, then after that, it was dudes doing stuff. And again, it's fine. But then the stupid-ass injury to Dante happens, right? Taking the code red off the ladder through a table structure, right? Ended with him with his foot pointing the other way, pointing away from his leg, the, the opposite way that they... And, 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 and this is why, this, look, this is why I, 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 this is case in point for my, my, my desired moratorium on, rest, on, on ladder matches. Because all the ladder matches, and not just WrestleMania weekend, I'm talking in general. Ladder matches in general are all forgettable. And they all mishmush into each other. You can't... The memorable ones are few and far between. You will remember, you will remember Sammy Guevara, the, the Sammy Guevara Cody Rhodes cutter, right? And, and otherwise everything sort of comes together. And 
Everyone seems to be like, look, we got to do a big spot. We got to do something that people haven't seen before. So they're doing tinker toys with the ladders and they're fucking stacking shit. And then you're like, and then this fucking shit happens. And then you have Penta driving uh, 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 um, fucking Dante to his fucking doom. For what? For a spot? We're going to remember this spot now for all the wrong reasons. But I guarantee you, no one would be talking about this spot. It'll all be in the past now. Oh, another high impact, crazy ass ladder match spot. And now, and now guys are getting injured. Terribly injured. Severely injured. This was not cute. This was not nice. That was a horrifying injury. So, and the reason, the reason this shit happens is because the wrestlers feel they have to kick it up a notch in these ladder matches because everyone has seen dozens of ladder matches and if we don't do something special, no one's going to pop. If we don't do something innovative or unique, no one's going to pop. Stop doing them. Stop fucking doing ladder matches i'm spent on them there there hasn't been a, a truly memorable one in a while there hasn't been one that has blown everyone's mind in a long time they're overdone and then they're usually five to six dudes doing ladder matches. i'm done i'm done i i i am completely spent on ladder matches if i don't see another ladder match again it will be too soon Because now you were doing them and guys are, do, are going out of their way to do some crazy spots and they're getting hurt. Now they're getting legitimately hurt. Young guys. Dante. Of course a guy like Dante who's chomping at the bit to, 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 to keep his profile high to show the boss. Yeah, keep me around. Keep me on the roster. Put me on TV. He's one of the young guys. Of course he's going to do something insane like this. This shit's got to stop. I... I, I and not just AEW, right? Everywhere. Your indie shows are not better because of a ladder match. WWE is not better because of a ladder match. In fact, most of the time, it, it, it's worse. Then we had... <clears throat> I just want to preface this. We are... It is April 4 when we are recording this. 2023. So, on this day, in this year, I will speak the following words. Katsuyori Shibata defeated Wheeler Utah to become the new Ring of Honor Pure Champion. And I just got a shiver up and down my spine saying those words. I am a, look, I am, a, I am an admitted Shibata Mark. He is one of the guys who got me into, years ago, that got me into New Japan. One of the top ones. I was devastated when he got injured. I cry now when his theme starts because I cannot believe um, 
and am, I, am I being cho- am I choking up right now? Maybe, but I cannot believe that he is still around doing professional wrestling. And I am grateful for that. So I see this, I see him coming in, and I'm like, this is perfect. Like, this this does not have to be, this is not the high-octane Tomohiro Ishii match. It doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to focus on the head. It's a grappling match. It's the pure title. It's pure rules. This It's perfect for him. Never did I expect he'd be strapped up. That means he's coming. That's mean. That means he's going to be back now. Does that mean that he's? I don't think he. Look, it, I don't think this means that he's going to have a regular schedule. If he just pops in for another pay per view, that'll be that, right? Or a defense. I don't think he's suddenly going to hit the road. I don't think he's going to add on to his schedule. You know, his injury was severe. He was told he will never wrestle again. That he's putting his life in danger if he ever does it again. You know, to be completely transparent, I'm not, you know, I'm not a complete and utter dummy. We don't know what his medical condition is. New Japan doesn't release that kind of stuff. We don't need to know it either. Like, this is private shit. We know that New Japan has had a hard time clearing him, putting him on shows. You know, we, these are, these are all things we know. So, how cleared is he? Couldn't tell. But, you know, he's not having the strong style matches that he once had, obviously. Uh, and he's playing it safe in the style of matches that he's doing, right? But in the style that he's wrestling, he's fantastic. This match was spectacular. And the story here, it's not, it's not complicated. We have the master, the legend, a defining catch wrestler from Japan, schooling the young champion, the young arrogant upstart of the Blackpool Combat Club. Yuta was using rope breaks and closed fists while Shibata was no selling chops. I don't think Shibata lost a single point, right? He lands the hesitation corner drop kick to the delight of thousands. Suplexes, kick, slap, PK, win! Don't get me wrong, this was not a squash. Utes put up the best fight he could, but he was he, he was outclassed. He was outclassed. And with what happened after the main event, you know, the, this feud is continuing. And I, I am absolutely for the story of Wheeler Yuta coming back to challenge Shibata again and getting his title back. So, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you won't fool me again. <laughs> what was the thing that George Bush said? Anyway. Um, you, you, but that's the thing. So, it was extraordinary. And I am so happy about this on so many levels. Yeah, zero rope breaks. See, Shibata was the master in control. So, Yuta goes back to the drawing board. You know, he gets beat up a little bit by Mox and, and Claudio and he comes back and he gets the win and he gets he, you know he gets one over Shibata ah, Ring of Honor is so good right now it's ridiculous like this they, all of this was fantastic however I need I do need to point out that 
Madison Rain was judging, was one of the scoring judges of a Katsuyori Shibata match. Let's say that one more time just to make sure that, uh, that we all get the true gravitas of this situation. Madison Rain was a scoring judge of a Katsuyori Shibata match. And then if that wasn't exciting enough, if that wasn't enthralling enough, if that wasn't, if that didn't hit all the right spots for your love of pro wrestling, then we finished the evening with Claudio Castagnoli successfully retaining his title against challenger Eddie Kingston, a match 15 years in the making. I have never seen so much Shakara footage being used in a major league promotion of all time. <laughs> um... A phenomenal fight, a fight, a fight, a, fin a, f a war. And they're going all King's Road on each other. This rule, they're dumping each other with suplex. Claudio launches uh, Kingston off the apron with a gut wrench suplex. Running uppercut covers Eddie, he kicks out. Lands a neutralizer, Eddie kicks out at one. Crowd is on their fucking feet for this one. Weird crowd, by the way, but not for this match. We're in and out of Ricola bomb attempts and Dale until Castagnoli lands one. <clears throat> bold decision. Two big, bona fide, bold booking decisions on this show. Eddie Kingston losing, Mark Briscoe losing. And as we said here in the chat, and I believe I also tweeted that out. We have a good old-fashioned Ring of Honor world title chase on our hands, folks. And I don't have a problem with that. Would I have loved to see Eddie Kingston finally win a world championship? Of course. I'm a huge Eddie Kingston fan. And you know what? I think this might be where we're heading. The story here is that Eddie can't win the big one and this has been the plague of, of Eddie's career. It's, it, was even the, it was even a case, it was the case with AEW as well. Eddie can't win the big one. He won one big one, remember? Place came unglued. Eddie's a big waste of potential. Shoot criticisms that Eddie has heard throughout his career. And now, he gets served up an opportunity to prove everyone wrong, and he can't do it again. The doubt settles in. It creeps in. This is the Eddie Kingston character. It is fantastic. We all see where this is going. And look, Eddie after grabs the mic and has the most fantastically Eddie post-match promo where he's just like, he's trying to give props to everyone, to Shibata, to Tanahashi, to, you know, to the guests. 
but he, he barely has any time and he starts swearing and he says, he ends up saying, Claudio, I'm coming for you. What more do you, what, what, what more do you want? What more do you want? So, big, bold booking decisions. Now, why am I not comparing this on the same level as Cody and Roman? Where I myself was coming into this show with, I thought were two locks. Mark Briscoe winning the, the TV title to honor his brother. And Eddie Kingston winning the world title. Finally, finally winning the world title, right? I thought those were locks. And a lot of people were disappointed and were shocked. I was shocked for both, but shocked in a good way. Because again, here's the thing. As I said earlier, for the Cody and Roman thing, I have zero faith in WWE creative, in WWE storytelling. I don't. I have no goodwill left. I I do not have any chances. That I, don't, I, I don't have to give them any chances. They have to win me back. So I have no faith because I've been burned so many times with how they handled their creative, I have no faith that they're gonna do the right thing here. I don't believe they have a plan. I don't, I, absolutely not. For Cody, I mean. Because yes, Cody is eventually gonna win the title, but as we mentioned earlier, that was the time that was you were supposed to do it. So Warren, you're being hypocritical here. On the flip side here, Tony Khan as a booker has shown me that he can deliver a story. That if fan favorites, Mark Briscoe and Eddie Kingston tonight, or at least last Friday, were unable to win their title matches respectively, he's got something up his sleeve. And we're, we were giggling here, we were chatting in the chat, one, talking about an old school Ring of Honor title chase on, the, on our hands. We're having a gas about it, but this is what it is and what it should feel like. Why blow it off? Claudio and Kingston don't like each other. And now Kingston has two times the motivation to come after Claudio. And just think back to last year with FTR and the Briscoes, where we get the first match and it is legendary. Legendary first match. They decide to run it again and we were like, wow, really, we're gonna run it? Great match. They decide to run it again and everyone's like, wow, really, we just had two great matches, Should we? do we really need it again? And we didn't realize that we needed it, but we sure did because the third one was the match of the year. For me, anyway. So, I am, I am completely okay with this because I believe there, I believe this is just the beginning of a better build for Eddie Kingston becoming world champion. Make it matter in Ring of Honor, right? Make it matter in the promotion, which I think is essential. Make Claudio truly feel like a final boss, which he should. He has to be. He is the final boss. He looks the part, wrestles the part. And isn't that what we've wanted for Claudio Cesaro? for years, as he was wasted away on WWE television. This is what we wanted for him. 
This is what I wanted for him. Being at the top of the promotion, gold, final boss. Absolutely. Mark, Mark has to learn that he is alone. He has to grieve through this. He's no longer with his brother. His brother's no longer there. And he has to go through this alone. This is going to be a learning process for him. So if you're asking moi in this circumstance here, both Mark Briscoe and Eddie Kingston are earmarked for the world championship. Do you waste, and I say waste with quotations, do you spend, how about that, the Mark Briscoe tribute to his brother on the TV title? Or do you get it for the world title? Do you do it for the, for the biggest prize in Ring of Honor? A title that Jay has held before. How, how much more meaningful would it be for Mark Briscoe to hit a J-Driller on the Ring of Honor world champion? I posit that unto you. So both of them are earmarked. So this could go either way, really. I can see Mark defeating Eddie. Uh, I can see Mark defeating uh, uh, Claudio. I can see Eddie defeating Claudio. But better yet, I see Eddie beating Claudio and Mark beating Eddie. But either way, I think both of these guys are earmarked for the world title at this point. I I think this is all fun. And, and I think we are going to have to give it some breath. Let this booking happen. I am much more in confidence with Tony Khan's booking than fucking Vince McMahon's. And I don't think that is an un, I don't think it's an unreasonable way to approach this. And no, it, it cannot be apples to oranges. Not when one's company creative is so objectively bad. When they, when they miss the easiest layups to get their to get their their audience energized to bring people back in instead of deflating them. And Tony Khan understands pro wrestling booking. That's the main difference. Vince does whatever he feels like. Tony books for the viewers. He books a wrestling show. Just as simple as that. Great show. Match of the year contender. Uh, show of the year contender. I, I, I love this show from top to bottom. I thought it was great. I didn't even I didn't even fire up the weekly wrestling inspection. I just realized that. I just dumped jumped right into it. <laughs> so should we do it just out of habit's sake? Weekly wrestling inspection. One of the longest streams I've ever done solo. But there was so much stuff to talk about and there's even more stuff that I haven't talked about. And I think we're going to have to do it behind the paywall. Going Broadway for members only. Coming up this Friday, 
Now you're gonna you're gonna have to watch it now. You're gonna have to become a member. Hit the join button. Or hit the like if you haven't already. That stuff is really great. And if you're still around and you haven't subscribed yet, I would love to have your subscription. I would love to have you join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel as a subscriber, as a member, whichever, however you can handle it. I appreciate it a great deal. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, thank you very much. Hopefully, you all listen to this at 1.5 to 2 times the speed to sort of get through this quickly. But I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast here tonight. This is what... I, this is one of my favorite, the way I'm feeling right now, I can outright say this is one of the the, the best shows I've, I've done in doing this for like five years or so, I don't, whatever time I've been doing this, I've been, uh, this is one of my favorites, it's one of my best, thank you so much everyone for being here to the very end uh, and I appreciate your time so much and I appreciate uh, I, I, you coming around here on a Tuesday night or whenever you decided to uh, to pop in. So, I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. I'll be back on Thursday for the Dynamite Review, and I'll see you next time.